fuck all. <laughs> Welcome to Beerfield. Um, if anybody would like a podcast co-host, I have one that's free to a good home. Aw. Good home. I am I don't need much. Just some water and some food. Chris Hopper at Beerfield Hop, Dan Thurry at Beerfield Thurry. Uh by the way, he's the one free to a good home. <laughs> he's so mad at me right now. Yeah, well, I it's entirely your fault. I know, almost, yeah. Hey, to be fair, though, next year the Bears have 30 more million in cap space than any other team. Which is relevant to the conversation that happened before we got on the show <laughs> that now we have to try to rehash now that we're on the show. Um, but anyway, I won't blame our guests. You know, don't. I won't blame, I won't blame Miguel. And I mean, it's his fault, but I won't blame him. Yeah, you shouldn't blame Miguel. By the way, uh, it's that time of year. At Pro Football PSI. I think that's right. That's what's in the show title, so it freaking better be. <laughs> that's true. How's it going, guys? Thanks for having me on again. Uh, we are always happy to have you on this time of year because you do things that a lot of people I've noticed are kind of trying to mimic at this point. Like, you've had your number for a long time and actually have a lot of, like, smart shit that goes into Pro Football PSI. It goes into the pro- PSI in general. Also, sipping pretty is a good beer. Not to spoil it. Oh yeah. Um, but um, like I've seen at least four or five different people that are tossing out scores now as a way to try to quantify how they feel about about prospects, myself included, for internal use only. It's in beta phase. Oh, there's a lot of good people out there doing doing this. I mean, you know the, the. The more the better, right? Like, I'm, yeah. uh, I'm not here to, to monopolize it or anything. So it's always great to see because I learned from them as well. Um, and it's just always exciting to see how other people think about it. Because, um, you know, no, no model's perfect. Um, we're all we're all flawed in some way. So it's interesting to see how that all comes together uh, for everyone else. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's gotten to the point where even I'm thinking like, uh, like not going to lie. I've been thinking like, is this my last year? Like, should I let other people just take over at this point <laughs> do i continue doing this um i've debated yeah, we'll it I, I don't i like knowing things too much though it's this right here that keeps <laughs> me, too. me going it, after it, we it, get through this right it, here it itches it itches yeah. in the back of like every every time we get to the off season I'm like ah oh, do i still want to do this i don't know and then you know we start getting all excited and talking about prospects and then you just have to find out anytime a new name drops that's getting in there i'm like oh i gotta I go research it and, and yeah. So I guess as while that itch is still there and while I have the time, I, I guess I'll continue. But uh, I'm probably closer to the end than I am the beginning at this point. I think I think that's where a lot of us end up being, especially as we've seen like the Twitterverse evolve and how we, you know, get our information and just you know a lot of people have really taken off, and it, it's um, I'm becoming I've been starting to want to learn less from people. I like not learn less, but learn more from less people. There's a lot of bullshit out there. There's a lot of you know fake detectives out there. A lot of hot takes. A lot of hot takes. Hot take artists. A lot of people promoting medical videos under Adam Schefter tweets. 
things like that. <laughs> there's a lot of there's a, you know there's only so much engagement farming or something. Yeah, yeah. that was the thing. I don't. Uh, I don't know. One no, no. one thing that uh, uh, at least for me this off season is I felt like there was a lot less um, kind of arguing and fights and all the things that usually break out in fantasy Twitter when it's boring and there's nothing to do. Um, it's gotten there kind of right now well, we're on Kenneth Walker. I, Apparently that's been a hot debate. The last yeah. I, I think there have been some ones that I've just like missed, <laughs> like the engagement farming thing. Like I saw people, just... some people tweet about it, but I clearly missed like the genesis of it. Yeah. So I'm either not following the right people, which is good. Uh, or I've muted everyone that is usually the starts all the drama, which congrats. I think I've nailed it. I think I finally have like, serenity on my timeline and it's great because i've it's been really nice being on twitter this off season <laughs> i do i do have to agree with you it does feel less less bitchy on there like you get like you get like the same people arguing about the same prospects just in different tones but i yeah. feel like i've muted and blocked enough people and just unfollowed enough people to where i think i've rid of myself of the terrible clicks yeah I think I've been around long enough now that I'm just, I realized that everyone's just arguing, you know, different sides of the same coin. And yeah, it's like, uh, you're not getting anywhere with it. Like, yes, you're right. And yes, you're also right. Move on. <laughs> just realize nobody knows a damn thing. It, that's, yeah, that's what like, it comes just, down to. Yeah, just to, you know, feel free to. And so like, though someone can do a whole model based on what's in between the player's ears, I, I don't think anything right now, it's going to ever be groundbreaking enough to change the game oh god that one was <laughs> <laughs> i had to bring it on that, that just, i think i was I, super serious about it too <laughs> it's I, like, yikes you know i've seen a lot of things with data you know not just like in football but like real life too um yeah that was interesting that i mean as soon as anyone who I, I mean, it, it clearly didn't take anyone who's ever just like worked in data before, um, which that is my like nine to five for those that are listening and are underwear. But uh, as soon as I saw that, I was like, that's utter bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, there's yep. no way. Mm-hmm. I, I had so many questions and I'm like, and none of them are you're going to be able to answer. And then when I think someone was finally starting to push and prod and then it became it's proprietary or something, I'm like, and that's that's when I know it's an old, a big red flag. Well, you said it like you like you went through a bunch of articles and like there, there's try to quantify it. About, no. It's so dumb. No, like, like what are we doing? here? I don't need to know your exact formula or whatever you're doing. I just need to know what went into it. Just and if you can't tell level. me that, that's not yeah. Like just give me the high level. Like help mm-hmm. me try to understand. I don't need to know all the little details, which would then make that proprietary. But yeah, yeah. Anyways, Eli Five, this damn thing. All right. Yeah. Uh, by the way, this whole episode presented by FFFaceOff, FFFaceOff.com uh, for all your podcast pro football PSI, Beerfield needs is we're part of that family of, of shows. And I know that that's where you released uh, PSI. So uh, we'll have more on them in a minute. We'll actually probably structure this show based off of some of the rookie mocks that they've been running, just like we did last week. So. Good stuff going on there. Make sure you check out the site. A lot of good content there right now. That being said, 
We're talking wide receivers and tight ends this week. We talked running backs and quarterbacks last week. Go check that episode out on YouTube. The podcast audio is a little screwy. I will have that fixed uh, tonight as well. So you can listen to both of these in series if you want to torture yourself for six hours because I think last week's episode was like three and a half. God, it was that was a I got kind of here. I was like, I just got to go to bed. (laughs) That's all. It's so angry. (laughs) Well, we're further in than we were last time before I took my shirt off. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, this podcast. And this was, too. Well, you know, it's late night, and it is. The lights don't always turn on. You know, what, uh, with the content we provide, so we got to get, we got to get risque. Whatever the viewers want, I guess. <laughs> they took a poll, and they're like, "It we wasn't see Hopper it, it, was, it wasn't that. That was not. No. It. <laughs> is, that what the, is that what the Nielsen ratings came back with? Is, uh, less, yeah. less shirts. Less shirts. Well, it wasn't Nielsen. It was this ratings metric a guy <laughs> has in between his ears. <laughs> he was like, you know, the best way to raise your character uh, score is to just go shirtless. I heard it's Ernest's the best way. What's fueling beer fueled? All right, Dan, we'll start with you. What are you drinking on? I am drinking Urban Forest. It's a brewery out of Rockford, Illinois. It's actually where I was working at today. Uh, this is their their beer called Glass Slipper. This is their Pilsner. As as the listeners know, that uh, Hopper and I are on a big German, you know, clean style, back to the basic style beer. So it, it's good to get something that was hyper local um, to bring onto the show. This is a four point eight percent, you know, really really basic can basic uh basic beer that i'm excited to crack into he says we're back up, we're on a german kick as oh my god oh my god cracking open a uh, double dry hopped ipa so <laughs> well you know it can't uh, be the same every, every now week. and again i'm in i'm in a mood i've been on that kick for the last few weeks actually it was a lot of bourbon last week uh old irving brewing company out of chicago illinois this is their uh beezer it's a double high uh, dry hopped IPA featuring Citra Mosaic, Citra Mosaic, Citra Mosaic, Citra Mosaic, it just says Citra, Citra Mosaic a bunch across the can. So, featuring Citra Mosaic. I clearly didn't read the label before this, this can read. Um, so, let you know what I think about mm, probably a little more than halfway through the episode. And Miguel, you're sipping pretty? Yeah, I am. Sipping pretty, Odell Brewing Co. I've... Uh... I tried their version of this last year. It was like a guava one. It was really good. Now they've got this. Uh, actually, I have no idea what this is. Passion fruit, I think, is what it is. Mm. It's a great sour. I'm a big sour guy, so this one, this one hits. Very nice. All right, uh, let's move on to some news, which I also did not prepare for at all. So let's start with Devo Samuel once <laughs> once out of San Francisco. Uh, time you wind me back to pre-show. Back to pre-show. Yep, we'll run it back. Go, well, go ahead and start running. I mean, you're the one that asked us the question, I Miguel. Did. So I did. the guest asked the question. Um, <laughs> you know what? What do we think of this uh, of this Devo Samuel news? Do we think it's real? Do we think it's all cool heads are going to prevail? Uh, you know, I I don't know. I think it's really weird. Uh, as I said pre-show, just the way it was worded um, that Debo halted everything in the midst of the Niners kind of making that final push. Um, you never really hear that 
that language that a player just decides that, hey, I'm just going to stop everything right as everything's happening. Um, so I, I found that to be really curious um, and, and more alarming as a result because, again, that's just, it, it's odd. Um, so if it's true, uh, just going to assume that it is, you know, I, it's hard to see where Debo Samuel can go. Um, I, I tweeted out before the show that I thought that his best uh, the 49ers best trading partner at this point are the Green Bay Packers because of uh, Matt LaFleur. Um, and of course they just lost Devontae Adams. So they could use a new star wide receiver. And although they didn't pay Adams, so why would they pay Debo? Um, or I guess they were trying to, but uh, it was really Adams that wanted to leave. Right. Yeah. Um, he, he really wanted to be a Raider. So I guess they, they, they could probably do it. So I'll take that back. Um, so that makes Green puts Green Bay really much uh, square in, in that race for Debo Samuel, um, especially since he's uh, killed them before. And then the New York Jets. They've got the, the draft capital with multiple first-round picks. You've got Robert Sala, who used to be on the 49ers coaching staff. So there's that connection. Um, and you've had the New York Jets trying to go after Tyreek, uh, who they didn't get, but then afterwards were – on the record as saying they were going to be involved in any and all wide receivers that were available because they clearly want to set Zach Wilson up to succeed. Um, and if they're willing to do anything to do that, I have to admit that or I have to believe that Debo Samuel would be that type of wide receiver that they would want to, to bring in. Um, he fits the offense. Um, he, he fits the, 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 the team, uh, from like a, a leadership and personality standpoint, uh, culture um, is the word I'm looking for. Uh, I, I just think that I think they've got to be the, the number one team. And otherwise, after that, I don't know who else goes after him, who has the draft capital, who has the resources. It's it's pretty thin now after free agency. So you asked me, you asked us pre-show how many teams did multiple first. I figured I'd do, you know, the good person and actually look it up. Eight teams. Lions, Texans, Packers, Chiefs, Saints. You were right about the Giants. Obviously, Jets and the Eagles likely have the capital to make that move. I don't know if it would take two first. Probably not. No, but um, I think it could but take at least one, year, one next year. Yeah, like it, 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 it depends. He's, what, 26 years old. He has yet to play a full season, but he's coming off of one of the more interesting seasons winning. last year when he he just missed one game last year. Um, interested, Hopper. What are your? Sorry, I, I, you look like you're about to talk, and I was like, "Gotta get in." No, I'm good. Um, no, I was just saying that I think that there's a lot of uh, smoke and mirrors here. I mean, there is the option to bet on yourself and try to get something longer in the off season, but as you mentioned, already 26 years old, so go try to get yourself paid. Um, they were apparently far apart on money. I think that this ultimately could be a lot of peacocking if you do see a move. I think during the draft is probably when I would anticipate that potentially happening. Let it unfold and then see if something can work out from, from there. I think that that's probably when I would anticipate that type of thing occurring, though. If he gets through the draft and there isn't a move, you know, I think the market's going to be even less throughout the off season heading into training camp. And I mean, you could end up in a holdout situation, but I don't think Debo being moved is any more of a sure thing than, you know, 
DK Metcalf or AJ Brown being moved it at this point until we hear the 49ers are fielding offers. Yeah, see, that's the other thing that is going to cramp Debo's ability to get traded is that there are a lot of wide receivers that are reportedly available. I, I think, right? I think Marquise Brown, Terry McLaurin, AJ Brown, Debo. It's is Metcalf oh, a part of that? I'm not sure. Metcalf's part of it as well. I think Metcalf is, they, yeah. So the Seahawks there's... aren't talking and neither are the Titans, but they they they're all kind of in that same boat of you know, last year the rookie deal, trying to get extensions done or get moved to get their extensions done. And and, and this is all Trent Bulky's fault. Yes. I always fucking all of it. All of it. <laughs> I hate Trent Bulky. And who do, who likes him? Who well, likes him? I, apparently uh, uh Khan from Jacksonville is the only one that actually like it, they had a chance to bring in Rick Spielman as an advisory role and they're like, nah, th- you know, oh. I don't want the wide receiver whisperer. I want they, Trent Balky to make all my decisions. It sounded to me like they rug pulled Spielman. Like they had and Byron Leftwich too, right? Like like they were putting him out there to kind of please the fans. And then as soon as it was evident that they didn't need to make that move, they were like, nope, we're not gonna do that. And <laughs> well, it's just gonna be the bulky show. Thanks, bye. Jacksonville. I feel bad. Like maybe they won't get ruined because maybe Trevor Lawrence will be good. But man, I feel bad for them. I feel bad. Uh, yeah. Um, as far as landing spots go, I agree that you know the Packers would be a good one. The Jets would be a good one. There are teams there that are intriguing if they a move is made for him. Um, I just I don't necessarily see it occurring. With you know, we kind of said this when Tyree Kill was moved for a king share too. It's kind of like this draft class is expected to have a good amount of depth to it. Um, you know, and I'm not sure that you're going to get a team to pay a premium until you get to the draft, in which case, you know, they're like, okay, we can have Debo. Let's move it back, which again, the Packers would be, you know, a team that I think could fit that or, they get through the draft and really just missed out on whoever they had near the top of their board and want to go go try to acquire Debo using you know next year's draft capital when you got a little bit more time to figure it out. So, so maybe so the, Green Bay does use pick twenty two and pick twenty eight to make that move too. If, if the board does fall, if there's very wide receiver heavy to start yeah, the first round. So the Jets offered thirty five, thirty eight, and sixty nine for Tyree. So John Chapman on Twitter just posted should the Niners take the same trade I would take that I mean I would I would, that, yeah. I would want more for Debo He's three years younger than Tyreek I that's, mean obviously injuries so you know some injury concerns but I wonder if Elijah Moore would be a part of a deal I wonder if it wouldn't be just picks you're looking at maybe having to remove or move away from because I'm not saying that Debo would make Elijah Moore you know unneeded but it they I mean I, what I mean, it's almost it's not the same role because no one really has a Debo role, but it's it's kind of I think the it, same it operation doesn't though because you could use either of them with gadgetry, but both of them are also just good regular ass wide receivers, especially Debo. And Debo's big enough to to kind of operate wherever too in that capacity. So I mean, I I don't think that you include Elijah Moore in that deal really at all nor do you have to 
If I'm the Jets, I don't include Elijah Moore in that deal because well, it I may want not, the most yeah. explosive offense I can put together, and Elijah Moore is definitely part of that. And I want the gadgetry I can put together, and I want to keep defenses on their toes. And if you don't know, between Debo and Elijah Moore, who's coming on the end round or out of the backfield or running routes or whatever because both of those guys can do so much, you know... You don't see the two types of those players on the team, but you also don't see types of those players in general that have, you know, that type of ability as a receiver, you know, that also play that gadget role. Elijah Moore and Debo are, you know, they're not the same sidewise, but skill set wise, they're cut damn near from the same cloth. I'll be interested to see how it plays. Like, yeah. I can definitely see him with the Jets picking at 10. I can see San Francisco trying to call him up and saying, Hey, you know, let's see if you can put something on paper. And I like, they wouldn't say yes and more and pick 10, but they're going to, I think it won't take two first. There's going to be a player involved. It's Denzel Mims. Yeah. There'll be a player involved. It's going to be Corey Davis. Denzel Mims. (laughs) Denzel Mims. Yeah. (laughs) So of course we've got family getting involved now and uh, social media issues. So his brother went on Facebook to some group or something and said that uh, they're going to request a trade. And now he's had to recant that on Instagram by saying that everyone took that out of context basically. And that he doesn't know what his brother's doing. So, you know, accountability all around. Ooh, it's <laughs> like Odell's dad situation. So it's not his season. Yeah, nice job, literally guys. said he's going to request a trade. And then you come back with, I don't know what the hell's happening. Actually you just guys kidding. are making things up. <laughs> Maybe he's talking about his dynasty football league. That's, uh, Maybe that's, that's just, what he means. That's just classic social media. And that's how I know you're. And that's how I know there's posturing going on. All right. Moving on to more important things. The Lions re-signed Special Agent Tom Kennedy to a one-year deal. <laughs> special agent. Sorry, Miguel. We're a special agent Tom Kennedy show. Yeah. You can say who. I don't think any of us would get offended. Lions wide receiver. You don't have to. He knows who. I know he who does. What? Sorry, I missed the question. It's not a, it, no, it's not a question. It, it Dan, was nothing. Dan said you could say who because we're talking about Tom Kennedy. And I'm like, he knows who Tom Kennedy is. It's fine. Oh. Is that a real person? Tom yes. Kennedy? Yeah. <laughs> never... Yes. I said the same thing. He's I all... think when we talked about him, we said We that. talked about him that last like year. A, that sounds like a Madden player that I draft in like the sixth round. <laughs> so when they had all kinds of injuries and stuff last year, we were looking at their death chart and we're like, they got Tom Kennedy and Dan's like, it sounds like a special agent. So he's special agent Tom Kennedy now. And then I it think sounds like a fake CSI name. Had a couple receptions and saw the field a little bit and didn't look terrible so it's a good depth signing oh let me use the kia's one-year deal the falcons he's currently their wide receiver one i think out of date right sorry forgot i mean it can't get worse so at least i can take plates outside kind I of that he did sign there yeah I, I, good, I mean they're clearly gonna add people in the draft here yeah, so. i got a better one it'll, for it'll you change colts resigned ashton so. doolin to a one-year 2.4 million dollar deal yeah yeah Keeping the dream they put alive. a tender on him, man. They put a tender and on him. And it's just it's just Pittman there. And then they swiped so it's gotta right. be doing. They put tender on him and then they swiped right. That's right. They're like, hmm. Super like. I I forgot that was a thing, actually. Yeah. AJ Green said his communication with Kyler Murray in twenty twenty one was lacking. Shocker there. <laughs> um Oh, you mean like when he went into the end zone and didn't turn around and the fourth down play was that what it was? Yeah, the fourth down yeah. Play, in the end zone, and he got picked. Yeah, yeah, yep. 
Miles Boykin was released and subsequently claimed by the Steelers, I'm pretty sure. And he'll be released again next. Yeah, it's nothing. <laughs> he will. Um, yeah, a lot of hype, a lot of hype. Let's talk about some other filler just so as I can scroll through this. Uh, Pizzagate. 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 Oh, USFL? The USFL. Oh, yeah. Davion Smith. And this is a, well, this is a total shit show. Did, have you followed any of the Twitter stuff that goes along with this? Like, have you just looked at Davion Smith's Twitter? No. I, I have I, not. I didn't even know who it was that got cut. I just saw the video and was like, that's the most insane thing. So Davion seen. Smith was a nothing burger of a prospect coming out. Ended up depth in the NFL, got cut. Played in the XFL, was pretty decent for the Tampa Bay Vipers. Gets picked up by the USFL. Um, and then I guess the way it went down, and I haven't seen anything recanting this from either side, is the hotel cafeteria was serving, or person serving their meals or whatever, was serving chicken salad. He said he wanted pizza. The hotel worker said, I can't do that. And asked if that was going to be a problem. And Dave Young Smith said yes, and then walked away. Because the man just wanted some pizza. Let's give the man some pizza. And then he was cut, and it was shown on their t- weekly TV show, him being cut, because he was apparently disrespect- disrespectful. Now, you also see in that film clip, him trying to explain his side and the coach basically saying, I don't care. So he's never gotten his side of the story at all. Right, they just right. that was cut the him. And then the team came out and said he was released because he violated three team rules. And he later apologized to the coach and uh, let's see, basically asked if they would take him back, which seems like a really weird thing to leak because that's like tune in next week on our bullshit TV show to find <laughs> out if they take Davion Smith back or not. And it's a whole goddamn political nightmare for the USFL. It's a terrible look on them for oh, any player that wants look. to go there. Like you're treating them like they're prisoners almost. Uh, just babies. Like these are men. Get out of here. Grown man, if he wants to eat some fucking pizza, let him eat some fucking pizza. Yeah, but it's not his turn for the pizza party, man. He's got to wait his turn. Like he didn't, he didn't. From the sounds of that story, he didn't do anything terrible. He said yes, and he walked away. Yeah, (laughs) that sounds horrible to me. What are you talking about? Who the hell ratted this guy out? (laughs) So then he got real pissed off, and not really pissed off. Just show me the proof. I have text messages, but show me the proof. He's like, I got text messages. Show me the proof. Show me. Tell me what rules I broke because that was never communicated with me. And then people were ripping the the league because because you know the statement from the Maulers was we have hundreds of hours of footage from following people around, but apparently you don't have any footage of any incident occurring. You just have footage of him being cut. So bad, yeah. But even like, let's say he was disrespectful. Let's just watch that video. And it's still a bad look on the league. Yeah. Because the coach had no interest in hearing his side of the story, which means he never even did the due diligence. That means someone just came to him and said, hey, he was disrespectful to this person. And the coach was like, cool, got him. Yeah, so the statement... Like, what? like never got the full story. 
and then walks away as, as he's talking or trying to talk. He's just like, I'm out. Bye. Let's see. Per Davion Smith's Twitter, I said nothing disrespectful or did anything disrespectful. I got teammates that were right there. And then there's a statement from the Maulers, which says, um, on the first episode of United by Football, the weekly USFL all-access docuseries on Fox. So they start off with, watch our docuseries. <laughs> no. Davion Smith was shown on camera being cut from our team by Coach Kirby Wilson. The show captures hundreds of hours of film with the intent of providing transparency to fans. No capture of him violating team rules. But unfortunately, much of the context is left out left out in this moment. Smith has violated three team rules in a 24-hour span, and in this particular incident, disrespected a cafeteria worker, which wasn't captured on camera. Hundreds of hours of footage, but we didn't capture that one or any of the other two on camera. Smith has subsequently reached out directly to Coach Wilson to apologize and asked to be reinstated to the Maulers roster. Does that not read like, tune in next week to check out our docuseries on Fox? Are you hyping a show or are you releasing a PR statement? One, did anyone even know they had a show before this? No, no clue. They do now. They do now. Yeah, so, that's exactly I mean, they're doing their job, I guess. Show. Yeah. And for the producer's standpoint, they are crushing it, but... uh from from a league center. when you're trying to start a new league, man, you can't you can't so, have something like this. Gavion like, Smith, because nobody's going to come there now. You're going to cut people. From the, you got you're going to have if you survive this year, you're going to have competition in spring football from the XFL, who already has partnerships with the NFL lined up. Who's I guarantee you not going to do this shit. So now. You got a league that's set to lot next year. You're going to be competing with for talent, and if you got one side over here that's cutting people because they want pizza instead of chicken salad, and you got another one over here that's not cutting people because they want pizza instead of chicken salad, hey, guess what? You're no longer scraping the NFL scraps. You're scraping the NFLs and the XFL scraps. And what the hell is your product going to look like then? It's a terribly short-sighted move on their part. And then, you know, to be straight contradicting Smith, like, players aren't going to go deal with that bullshit. They really just put out a lie. Y'all should be ashamed of y'all selves. See, now you're playing with my character and who I am as a man. Show me the three-team rules I broke, please. If I send these screenshots from our exact conversation, who's the one lying? So he was never made aware of any violations. It's a terrible look on the USFL. Yeah, and these are like supposedly coaches with experience and yada yada. Like, yeah, he was. You can only imagine what like you know if that's the USFL experience, right? With a with a coach that people respected and Kirby Smart. Can you just imagine what Urban Meyer was like? Oh my God! Right. (laughs) Or what some of these college kids have to go through with the coaches they get? Like, it's insane. It's bad. All right, guys. Let's go ahead and get to the meat and potatoes of these episodes. Uh, I don't think I missed anything big in the news, so let's go ahead and uh, let's talk some uh, some wide receivers, shall we? Wait, hold on. I'm bringing back some old school stuff for this, though. Ooh, fancy. I meant, no, I meant to give Miguel a guest intro to you. Oh, well. Wide receivers. Because I love me some me. I love me some me. I can't stand myself. 
old. That's so old. You can tell how that's old like that year is. two. It's got to be year two. It might be year one. Just that might be year terrible one. Terrible quality. You can tell how old that is. But yeah, we love. I miss the old drops every now and then. They're that's fun. why I bring them back only every now and every now and again. Only when we have a new guest on. You know. Uh, not even <laughs> only when... special. I know. I, I know. Felt, felt like our longest running yearly episodic. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> All right. He deserves uh, it. Um, as we did with the last show, we're going to look at FF Face Off uh, and the rookie dress that they've been running. So they've got, they actually show you basically what they kind of show you. Uh, 45, 46 different rookie drafts have been done. This is a combination of their ADP. Uh, so we're going to work off of that. So kind of, I'll toss the player out, you know. Where, where they're being drafted at there, and then we can kind of go, you know, is that where we have them ranked? Do we agree? Do we disagree? What do we like? What don't we like? Just kind of discuss the prospect. Um, we don't really put a huge focus on rankings until after the draft, just because draft capital is going to tell us a bit um, and help solidify all that. So, uh, per this, uh, average pick of 2.46, the number one wide receiver off the board right now, is Traylon Burks. No, oh, interesting. Yep, he's a little over a full pick higher than than Garrett Wilson. Yeah, I expect that to change once uh, once the draft happens. Even though I think I think we kind of have an idea from draft range, but uh, I feel like it's not cool to still have Traylon Burks as your number one receiver. I feel like it's either Drake London or Garrett Wilson. And then our boy Brad's got George Pickens, but I feel like it's uncool to still have Burks as, as the number one guy. I mean, I, I get why, you know, with his, I won't say uninspiring, but with kind of the, his, what should have been a high profile combine performance comes out kind of lackluster. And then there's been reports of, you know, I think it was, I think you posted it, Miguel, reports of him coming in a bit overweight which raises a lot of concerns because all we're seeing, all I'm seeing right now is just shades of Nikhil Harry. And they have very similar athletic profile, production profiles, yep. similar-esque. But it's the between the years is what made us miss on Harry. And Right, because it, it came out after the fact that Harry was, you know, during the pre-com or the, 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 yeah. the pre-draft process, this is leading up to the combine, all that. He was, you know, uh, every day after doing all the workouts and working with the trainers, he'd go out and party um, and wasn't taking it all that seriously. And so then you then he gets sent to, you know, the strictest football team of all where work ethic is everything. And he flounders. So, shocking. Uh, you know, yeah, shocking. like shocking that those two things didn't work out. Right. So, uh, you know, as I tweeted out, it's the the. The, the red flags that start coming up around whatever you, however you want to call it, work ethic is, is just the, the easiest way I think I can bucket that. Um, that becomes really big for me because it's the one thing none of us can measure. None of us know. Mm-hmm. All we have is what is, you know, put out there and, and what we hear. Um, and you have to take it somewhat seriously because it's not like it's said about every prospect. Right. It's like one prospect will get called out and be like, hey, like this guy right here maybe isn't taking things as seriously as he should. Um, 
And and it almost always seems to work out. And you pair that with the lackluster combine, right? When you expect a guy to come in and dominate the combine, um, you know, I mean, he wasn't supposed to be like Julio Jones or anything, but he was supposed to be pretty damn good. Um, he was supposed to put up group numbers that made you go, oh, dang, like that's amazing for a guy that size. Um, and then he didn't. You know, he ticked boxes, but he didn't right, blow he you boxes, away with but, it. But he didn't blow you away with it. And that's fine. If you didn't come in with the expectation that he was going to blow you away with it, right? Right. And and then that reminds me a lot of um, you know the most recent prospect that we had that came in with the same expectations and floundered at the combine was Jalen Rager. Yeah. Yep. Right. Like everyone thought he was going to run a four three. Nope. Um, and that's what we thought with with Traylon Brooks. He's going to run. I think it was everyone thinking like a, a low four four. Uh, I, I saw sub four four just based on just based on right. the film grinders and the ones that and you I know. There's it. some like, sites that like will track his in game speed. People were expecting. So so from the, I would consider those two things. Even though the the, the second one definitely sounds very very much on the field, but it's more of like kind of the off field things you can't you can't measure. None of us on on Twitter know. Um, or, or if anyone tries to pretend that they know, like they, they just don't. Um, but when you start kind of seeing these pieces connect, right? Like there was one instance, now you're getting another instance. It's hard to ignore that. Yeah. Um, it's getting really hard to ignore. And so, and, and leading up to it, even before we got into January, it was, hey, the NFL has concerns about his playing weight. And I'm like, okay, like concerns about his playing weight is one thing. Concerns about his weight as he's training for the NFL draft, like that means he's not taking it seriously. Um, that's yeah. that's getting the, the drum beats growing, right? Like there's clearly smoke there. Um, the question is, is how big is that fire? Is it gigantic or is it not that bad? And we're overblowing this, and he can overcome it. Um, so, so yeah, it's it's it, it's something people really need to start baking in in. in into how they view Traylon Burks, and I don't know how many people really are doing that. We're going to get my first somewhat hot take of the show. Traylon Burks is tier two for me. He's not even in tier one. Um, That's not a hot take anymore. Yeah, I mean, I've seen enough and, people and move I just him out of there. don't see him projecting as an alpha. You know, he, he does, there's some things that I saw on his film. I'll leave the statistical stuff to, to you two. I you know, did the statistical work. I know he... He takes the boxes, but you know, mm-hmm. as the only film, somewhat hybrid film film guy on this show, I feel like that's the perspective I need to be providing. So, um, he does have a big body. He does have um, uh, the ability. His hand rating was weird because he's like really good on things that are outside of his frame, but not so good with defenders playing through his frame and things that are like thrown to his chest when he's draped and protected. So basically when he can't use his length in contested catch, catch situations kind of works against him. Um, you know, he did get used multiple different ways. I lied to Samuel, the long speed showed up on film as did some of the yak ability, but um, you know, nuances that didn't rely on physical traits give me some concern for longevity. And they always have, um, I think of, you know, does Bryant really tapering off once he lost a step? versus having another four or five years because he couldn't adjust his game to not rely strictly on physicality. Um, Not a ton of refinement to his game, um, you know, from positioning or a route tree perspective. Um, 
So I, I just I have a hard time seeing him as a true alpha. And that's not to say he's not going to be NFL productive. That's why he's in right. he's in tier two. I think that the multiple ways he was used, the fact that he does have some Debo Samuel qualities and we're in a copycat league. Um, we've seen guys like Allen Robinson have solid years that struggle with separation. Um, we've seen time and time again, you know, guys that can win in different ways, I guess, um, be able to succeed at NFL level. But I just, I don't see him ticking that, that elite alpha type level of play. So he's down in tier two for me. He's not even sniffing wide receiver one. Um, he's not sniffing anything for me until wide receiver. So that tier starts at four and goes down to seven. So there's like a four spot range. I have him at as far as, you know, wide receiver rankings. Right. I would agree with a lot of that. Um, but I will preface with this, that as we've all know, we've been on here for all the entire off season. There's a tremendous lack of consensus, or at least there was, I don't know if it's tightening up at this point, but there has been. Um, and to that, I'll say, I'm not sure if there is a tier, like a truly elite wide receiver in this class. Right. Um, no. So when we no. say that like Traylon Burks is like tier two, like, they might all actually be too true, to be honest. Right. Um, like, that wouldn't surprise me if that ends up being, like, how they're, all their careers play out. Like, there's no, I mean, there's not going to be a Jamar Chase, but, um, you know, like a, a Odell Beckham or something out of this past. Like, I, I just don't see that happening. But, um, you know, something that you just said that uh, caught my attention is that, you know, he's raw and, and needs refinement. And, well, how do you get from being raw to being refined? Well, Got to work your ass off. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Again, Same like, thing. I think you'll hear. If that, yeah, if that isn't there, like we don't know. Right? We just we're just hearing it, and we'll have to see how it all plays out. But if it, if that ends up being the case, well, dang, that's that's just another hurdle he's got to overcome, right? Yeah. Um So that's interesting. But any spots going to be I, key I, for I love, him too? What I love about Burks is like I think ball in his hands. He's probably the most impressive receiver oh, out yeah. of anyone on here. Just He's 6'2", he's 225, he's running over 22 miles an hour. Like, I get why people get excited when they see that. They're like, that's it's it's rare, right, to, to see someone do what he's doing, pulling away from Alabama players, like, with mm-hmm. ease. Um, so I, I get why people get excited about that. It's just, uh, yeah, there's, there's still, if that's all you view, I get why he's your wide receiver one, and I'm not going to argue with you on that. Um, but if you have to include everything else that you're hearing, which I think you should, it, it gets harder and harder to put him there. And that's just been the issue with the class in itself. You know, when we talk about, you know, higher end and like the depth of this wide receiver class, I think is very strong. I don't, I don't think any team should trade out for a receiver. In the actual draft, I don't think any team should take a receiver in the top 15. I think it'd be a massive mistake just given the massive depth of the position where we can look at, you know, some second round picks like Chris, you know, like Christian Watson and George Pickens, who could be the number one receiver in this class. Yeah. Like there's, there's, I, there's paths to get there. I'm, and, I'm not going to be surprised if it ends up being a wide receiver that most people aren't super high on at the moment. Like maybe they like. But it isn't obviously who whoever's the number one right now. I guess we're talking okay, Burks I, and, and 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 Wilson. Maybe like, David Bell. <laughs> like, it, it could. It and, could. That's the fun. And I, and I would not. 
I'd be like, yeah, that probably makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd be shocked. I would be shocked because I profile. I'm, but I'm not a David Bell fan. I'm anymore. not either. He, I've got but, him last out of players happened, that I've watched. I would be moment. like, oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> it hurts. I loved him so much. As, but again, that's the Devi part of it all. It's where you fall in for prospects that that break out early that just hasn't really seemed to do much more. But we'll talk about him potentially some later on in the show. But yeah, we will. Uh, Burks is is tough. I don't. Again, this you know this is what makes having what the one hundred three and one hundred four you know in your super fl- or you know in your drafts much more difficult to stomach because you have to pick the first one out of here. So you better fucking hope you can you right. can scout properly and be right because I think we're gonna see a guy. I think the best receiver in this class could come from the second round in both real life draft and in your rookie mocks or or in your rookie drafts. Yeah, it's it's out of. Most draft classes, that's usually not the case. Out of this one, of all draft classes we've covered so far, be like, I've been around the block enough to go, yeah, this is this is the one I would push my chips on. That it's going to come from. It's like 2014 esque, but without like the Sammy Watkins in there, or like even like a Mike Evans. Like it feels like 14, where the depth is incredible, and maybe a lot of them hit. Um, it just it's wonky. All right, let's get on to the next guy. Uh, so second wide receiver off the board, I mentioned him earlier, uh, is uh, going pick 370, so between pick three and four. Uh, that is going to be Garrett Wilson. And for me, I've got Garrett Wilson at the top right now, and the separator between him and Drake London is that Drake London's a black box prospect. You don't have you don't have athletic measurables on Yeah, yep. you don't have any numbers on on Drake London. And while, you know, the film is good and the productivity is good. Um, give me the guy who tested, who had the productivity, who doesn't, there's actually two guys like this that are both in my top tier and they're from the same school. Um, but that doesn't, uh, you know, really profile with any holes, at least in the pre-work process that I do, which is, productivity on for your career productivity for the season and what are your combine numbers so you know garrett wilson's a guy that when i watched him uh i thought he was as quick as he was fast um which is not a bad thing because he's pretty freaking fast too um he was a good enough route runner he didn't struggle to separate um quickness really helps him out there um you know he he generally caught what he should catch i mean he's not a spectacular catch guy he's not i mean he's fast other than that you don't really have you know the flashy oh my god plays um (laughs) so i i really liked garrett wilson um contested balls just some of what i didn't like um you know he separates well so there wasn't a lot to see in the way of contested balls into how he played that because he's Again, he separated well, and there's also an argument to be made that, you know, well, it's not much of an argument, actually. He's not the top, wasn't the top wide receiver at Ohio State. Um, oh, not he, this year. No, and he may not have been, number. you know, some could argue, and it's close, he may not have even been the second best. I think he was, but, you know, Alave is no slouch himself either. So, um, you know, I, I think that, was Smith and Jigba, I think, was getting yeah, probably insane. the majority of those contested balls. Um, 
you know, so he didn't stand out on his own team, not super physical. He also did this really annoying thing on run plays where he's a tick late to react when compared to pass plays, which is something I noticed watching. On run plays, he was always just kind of a tick later to get off the line than he was on pass plays and to get to his blocking assignment, which is kind of a tell. It was annoying. I don't know if that plays at the NFL level, but I made note of it because it annoyed me. <laughs> but, you know, overall, um, he's got game-breaking ability. Um, he's quick. He's shifty. He's good with the ball in his hands. He does have a solid release. The route running was good enough. Uh, you know, he may, and this goes back to the fact that there's a lot of depth and not an elite. He's another guy I look at and say, all right, yeah, he might be a better two than he is a one. He might be somebody that plays better with, you know, either in a one B role or with somebody else there, um, because he's not the most physical, you know, contested catch winning guy. And with top coverage in the NFL, I don't know if some of what he has plays, um, but he's got big upside, um, and again, the reason that he's up, it he's in the top tier for me, and currently at one pre-draft, even though pre-draft rankings are like the points and prices right, they mean nothing. Um, you know, I, I think that the upside definitely plays, and he's a guy that I look at and I'm like, okay, he's probably not going to bust, right? He may end up being more of a field stretcher. He may be a two. He may end up having a, depending on where he goes, he may end up being, you know, having great volume his first year and then get Jalen Waddle the second year. I'm still okay with that because he's a productive piece. And I don't see a lot of the bottom dropping out of this with Wilson. I love his floor. I agree. Like he doesn't project to be an alpha just given he's slightly undersized. Like he's, Jerry Judy, he's Calvin Ridley, where on the right offense with the right scheme, with the right volume, he could be Stefan Diggs, you know, 20 pounds under Stefan Diggs, 15 pounds under Stefan Diggs. And maybe with the NFL turning into more of these high floor guys, these running savants and separators as as more quarterbacks are, are, are less aggressive and more methodical with their choices, maybe these guys will eventually become that. Guys like Deontay Johnson. Uh, I think that's where Garrett Wilson lands. It's just, again, uh, given the uncertainty with, with London and Burks, who have probably the highest ceiling in the class, Wilson is the one where if he lands where, you know, like I'm not even that concerned about DC at this point. It's all about landing spot with these guys because they're all going to go within 20 picks of each other, 15, you know, 20 to 30 picks of each other. It's where does he land? Does he go to Green Bay? Does he fall that far to go to Green Bay? Does he go to the Chargers, you know, or does he land into a potential landmine with like the Falcons or the Jets where, you know, volume's a concern and, you know, and positive QB play is a concern. Um, I think there's a lot that can go wrong. I just, I, I, I don't see him falling very far given his any spot because of, of, of who he is as a player. It, it, it's more so as, you know, if he's, where does he actually start off with in the landing spot and and can he get to a popular one or a high volume one? Because top of that the, the top of the drafts concerning and he's arguably be been outside of Drake London has been the top two receivers taken. Yeah. Uh, I, I think you guys made a lot of good points. Um, you know, the I was actually thinking about this earlier, uh, where Garrett Wilson, I'm like, oh, who does the key remind me of right now? Like 
like I'm getting the vibe, but I couldn't quite put my finger on it. And Jerry Judy was like, "What the yeah. light bulb turned on?" I'm like, "Oh, I'm like kind of that overhyped because I'm not really yeah. in on Wilson." Um, Ooh, that's I, I a high take, though. I, I was never really in on him to begin with. I, I I tried. I was hoping that throughout the process, I would I would fall more in love, and it's like it almost just kept getting further and further away from me. He's um, he's low on your list too. He's not even in your he's top not four in, tiers. He's, he's he's not in the pre-draft right now. Oh, pre- um, okay. That's yeah, he's not. He's, he's not in the in, in the pre-draft uh, article that I dropped today, um, and that's all because I went down to, to tier four because he's in tier five at the moment, um, and he's at the bottom of that too. So <sighs> now, I mean, he's going to rise up because he's going to get the capital. So I would expect him to be like tier four, three, something like that by the time it's all said and done. Um, but the fact that he's not in there right now, I think, is important because that's, I think, one of the, you know, I, I drop the pre-draft every year. Um, not because it's the most like accurate or actionable, um, but because there's a few things you can really take away from it, right? It's not really about who's in that list for me. Uh, it, it's it's about uh, number one, who's at the top, um, and then number two, who's missing, right? And and right now, Garrett Wilson is missing from that list, and so to me, that's an instant red flag. Like, okay, what's going to prop you up is draft capital. Like, this is what we're going to bet on. Um, like you should be, your draft capital should match your talent. And this is one of those situations where it's not going to match that. Um, and so as we go through Wilson, like what really always stood out to me is that he was never the guy. And you guys mentioned that yourselves, uh, at best, he was the second best receiver at at worst. He was the third. Uh, and to me that going back to Alabama, that, that draws, uh, you know, he's he's a poor man's Jerry Judy, but in the Henry Ruggs role. Where <laughs> that's a good had, that's a good point. I like that. Like his his his, his body type, uh, you know, you could easily see like, oh, yeah, he looks exactly like Jerry Judy, right? His profile, everything. But he was the guy who had to go up against cornerback three. You know, Olave was out there doing the work for most of the time that they were in Ohio State. And then. Uh, I'm going to butcher the new kid's name, Jackson something. Smith and Jigba. And Jigba, yeah. yeah. I mean, that dude just came on and destroyed He's them. Incredible. He did. He's um, he is so, he, I mean, he's your dynasty. You know, he's your Debbie one, and he's he's the odds-on favorite to be uh, the first receiver taken next year. He and yeah, CJ and Stroud that, had me drooling. The, yeah. The next oh. day the bell. Uh, <laughs> oh, don't come on, man. There's no Rondell Moore to ruin him. I, I, I'm just, yeah, you know, Debbie's know. always such a crapshoot. <laughs> it, it really is. No one took that seriously. Um, uh, but, you know, it's, so you want me to buy, like, Jerry Judy, who is supposed to be the best at what he was, still hasn't really hit the NFL. And now I've got the eh, bargain bin Jerry Judy, who was really more uh, used as Henry Ruggs uh, in terms of being the third banana. And... I don't know. I have a hard time buying into that. And the fact that now, like, that was just my personal process. Um, and now seeing the model kind of confirming that for me, I just can't take Garrett Wilson that high. I just, he's just not for me. He's not a receiver I'm going to take. I don't think he's an alpha. Uh, it, it'd be, I, you know, if he goes to somewhere like Atlanta, he's going to be the number one wide receiver drafted. And I get why, because people are going to trace draft capital and vacated targets. Uh, for a guy who's never proven that he could be the one to lead the team, that's a huge risk. That's a good point. I mean, yeah. I mean, between him and Olave, we're always a two or three. 
I mean, you know, it, it's the same vein when we talk about Jamison Williams, you know, when we get to him too, it's going to be a lot of the same conversations. Again, this just speaks to the volumes of if you can't get a top two, you know, top three pick in your rookie drafts, trade back because it's, it's a lot of these, it's a lot of, you know, good, you know, good to really good profiles that each and each and every prospect here has a hole to poke into. Yeah. That, from what it, that's a potential red flag. Yeah. And, and the other thing is I, I'm getting bigger, bigger into to yak wide receivers. And from what I've heard from people who watch film and, and Chris, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong on this, but he's not that. He tends to he, catch he, he's ball. not. He's if he's not behind the defense when he catches it, then yeah. I mean, he's not the worst at it. I mean, he does have a little bit of shiftiness, but you're not getting AJ Brown here either. So, no. no. So, like, for all of those reasons, uh, is why I'm personally out. And then seeing, you know, PSI kind of confirm that for me, um, you know, that, that's where I'm at with it. So, the guy that the next guy off the board is the guy that I want to have ahead of Garrett Wilson. And honestly, as long as landing spot and draft capital back it up, he will be post draft. It's just the, the black box thing that kept me kept him just a tick behind him, even though they're in the same tier. Uh, that's Drake London going at uh, between the fourth and the fifth pick per FFA Soft's rookie ADP. And Dan, uh, I don't think you've kicked one off yet, so why don't you go ahead and let us know why you love Drake London? Because I know that at least both of us, big yeah, Drake I'm London. Insane upside. You know, he has one of the highest breakout ratings you could find. He broke out at 18.1. Obviously, freshman year breakouts are important um, just for the historical hit rates to kind of get an idea of, of where these guys could be at the next level. Um, dominated with already receiver. He was able to produce with already receivers within his own offense that have gone on to be successful in the NFL. Um, if it wasn't for the late season injury, um, I think he'd be higher up there. And of course, if it wasn't for the... Uh, why can't I run my 40 time ever with so many different things happening, happenings? And then that's what's keeping him from being up there is we don't know his athletic profile. And I am firmly set on the fact is the right person in his ear is telling him not to do. He is these years, Corey Davis, where everything, every box is checked that you want it to be checked besides his athletic profile. And at least this time, He's in a power five school. He's power five Corey Davis. He's Pac-12. He's USC Corey Davis. And that standpoint, you know, film grinders will will ooze and ahs about its catchability. They will ooh and ah at anybody that says that he can't separate because he's so good out of his breaks and stuff like that. In the minimal film I watched, that was relatively true. But these contested catch guys also do give me concern because we've seen the league shift from those players and them not being able to command targets. Also his most popular landing spot right now is the jets. And while it's fantastic that, uh, that, that the team wants to surround Zach Wilson with all this talent, uh, they're not a high prolific passing offense. So you already have a, a, a suffocation of targets there. That's only going to be field to if you keep added in, in talent. And especially if Wilson can't take the next step, and there were some smaller rumors that if the Jets don't take him at 10, that he could free fall, um, you know, to the 20s, which may actually be a better outcome for him. Because I would love to see him uh, paired with an aggressive quarterback like a Rodgers, a Mahomes, a Herbert, a Josh Allen, you know, someone like that, where at the top of these drafts, it's a bunch of rookies that haven't proved shit. And, and, and London may need 
more of that type of aggression to be able to hit at this next level. I still like him as a prospect, but again, red flag without without those athletic numbers. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm less concerned about the athletic numbers. Uh, you know, the question I ask myself at the end of the day, and, and I'll, I'll just pose it to you guys. When uh, Chris, you you watch the film, so maybe I'll just mm-hmm. pose it to you. Uh, when you watch him, is he athletic enough to be in the NFL? I think he's athletic enough to be in the NFL, and I think he has the yeah. tra- traits that will take him <laughs> above and beyond that. So. Uh, you, you know, like that's all that really matters because, uh, as we know, the uh, the the combine metrics, like they're not predictive at all for future success for a variety right. of reasons. Um, but all that really matters, like I mean, I I factor that in in the model, but it's very little. Um, because because of that, like there's such a wide range, and especially now the NFL is really shifting in what they really value in a wide receiver, right? getting away from the big guys, going away. And maybe he goes big slot and becomes like, Cooper Cup. Like, like we're going more under the under 200 guys. It's getting really interesting now um, in terms of how we have to look at historically for combine stuff. But anyways, uh, you know, when I when I get a guy that uh, you know, I would have loved to get anything from Drake London, even a broad jump or a vert, I would have been like thrilled. Uh, <laughs> Uh, it was something man god damn it yeah just one thing something to hang my head on um but at the end of the day if i think he's uh competent enough you know the way the model looks at it if he doesn't get uh if he doesn't do any of those things they just put him on the, the model just puts it on par as if he was able to complete it all mm-hmm. um because again it, it it's going to change the score so little that it doesn't even matter all that much it, it's fair. just you know a, a tiny amount so um I'm going to go ahead and assume that he is good enough. And so even with that, he's still, you know, right now in, uh, you know, he's a tier two guy. Yeah. I think is where I have him right now. Right so, below. He's, he's the bottom of bottom of tier two. I have yeah, your, uh, I have the page pulled yep, up. I see that. Um, you know, and I don't really care all that much where he's ranked in there, but yes, he's at the bottom at the moment. And I have no doubt that I think by the, Time, it's all said and done. I think he's going to be at the top, if not near the top, if not uh, the guy uh, of this class, um, given where where Draft Capital could probably launch him. So I I understand why the analytics community, kind of going back to the top of the show where you're saying all all the people that are coming out with models now for wide receivers, I I see it, right? I get why why the analytics community loves Drake London. As and has him as their number one guy. I just don't think it's by a country mile. No, no. I think it's none of these guys are country mile. Anybody, they're all they're all clumped together in my opinion. I I understand what they're looking at, and I get it, and I agree with that. Like, yes, he's probably going to check out as the best guy, Um, but it's it's not like Jamar Chase and. You know, the next guy down like we had last year, like it's just not. Um, it, it, it's razor thin. So if you do like someone a little bit better than Drake London, uh, don't let a model necessarily be the thing that holds you back. Don't be so dogmatic about it. I, I don't think this is the class where you, uh, you know, plant your flag and and don't budge. Yeah, productivity wise, he was not at the top, and you know, film grade wise all things that roll in. He was at the top, but to your point, it was, it was not by a ton. Um, I will say this for Drake London though. There are things I saw out of him there. I looked and said, this guy's going to be an alpha because he's 
a bulldog after the catch. He doesn't go down on the first hit. He has a true just my ball attitude. Like if it's a contested catch, you are not getting that ball. Drake London is getting that ball, and then you're not going to tackle him on the first hit. So you better have some friends coming. It, he is an absolute just tank of a human being. The acceleration after the catch was pretty good. Um, he did have the ability to box out defenders, which is good when you have a big frame. You should be able to. Um, but you know, for whatever reason, a lot of these big frame guys get caught, you know, outside position or to a point where corners can jump the routes or get in front of them and they got to go over the top versus just let me put my big ass frame in front of you. (laughs) Good luck getting through me or around me. Um, Drake London does that, that well, um, works well vertical too. So, um, you know, doesn't have, he's not a speed guy. It's about the only knock I have on him. That's not really a knock. It's just that's not the type of player he is. This is a guy that's going to go win contested balls, and he's going to have that yak ability that's becoming more and more prominent in the NFL. You're not going to bring him down on the first hit. He's definitely athletic enough, and he's got some things that show up in his film that make you say, yeah, you know, if there's going to be a guy in this class that comes out as a true alpha, an unquestioned alpha on their team, Drake London. You'll be just 21 too when the season starts, like a very fresh 21 too. So, yeah, very young, a lot of growth to grow into. So, right. Yeah. He's got a long runway to to grow into the player that, uh, you know, we all hope he can become. And I may, you know, joke about the Jets as a spot that may suck. But again, with a guy like him, with him so much with that, with that age there, that's it, that's in the right wheelhouse for us. And, and just given his profile, I mean, he's, He's probably going to end up being my one. I'm not entirely sure. Again, all my guys are all clumped together. It's more. I think. I think landing spot is going to really just shake a, up the tier more so than draft capital. Here's a question for you, and I don't want to derail this conversation uh, too much. But assume Drake London goes to the New York Jets. More London. Who do you, who do you, who do you take? For redraft or just dynasty? Dynasty. Dynasty, I, I I go with London. I just it's, like the it's London for me. Yeah. It's his ups. I love more, and I think those two would pair tremendously together. I think they I think I pair really. Oh, well. it'd be really so. It'd be better. it'd be perfect. It would be, and I think yeah, it, it, it'd Corey be Davis is your other outside guy, or you put London as a big slot, like you said. I mean, six foot four. Oh my god, he can play. Marquise Colson's his best comparable on player profile. Right, you put him as a big oh, slot and let Moore and, wow, and Davis play outside. That's a also. hell of a that's some weaponry for Zach Wilson. Yeah, I just I'm I'm kind of salivating at the thought of of Drake and of Drake London big slot. Like gonna, it won't happen. Be, it'd be it'd be weird, but my Zach I'm Wilson so teams will be thrilled. <laughs> I I I'll enough have a lot of Zach Wilson, a lot of Zach Wilson, you know, shares uh, for a guy who was. Not I was the watching some of these receivers and just thinking I need more dynasty league because I want shares of the leagues. I want, shares <laughs> I of want all guys. of them. Well, I've right. also lost like three dynasty leagues over the last two years, so I want to add at least one this year. Do another best ball. To start another, to start a best ball dynasty. No, I, I'll well, join. What I'm really considering doing is what somebody threw out as an idea a bit ago and that's where rather than rookie draft you do random roster selection essentially and then it's like everybody's getting an orphan team basically and go <laughs> that'd be fun 
Just like auto draft the draft, and then you just no. I think I would do wheel of names, and we'd just drink and do a wheel of fortune episode, <laughs> and do it that way. Like, oh, and rather than go round one, round two, round three, it's like, all right, quarterbacks, spin the wheel. That'd you, be fun. Like, That'd be interesting. In what you want your roster construction to look like, right? Here's yeah. what type of league it is. Okay, what do you want your roster construction to look like? Um, and then we'll just go and fill it out position by position. And I, I, I've had some thoughts about, you know, tiered off based off ADP. So, like, the top 12 quarterbacks are there together. So, you know, you kind of start off with a good amount of balance and then see where people go from there. I like it. Anyway, anything else on London before we move on to Jamison Williams? I'm good. All right, cool. On to Jamison Williams. He of the uh, torn ACL, I believe. Yes. So... Uh, he, before the injury, I think was being considered by a lot as a, as a top end pick, uh, to me, this is a speed guy for the most part. I mean, he does show some ability to vary his routes and his footwork, his hands are solid, but I mean, his best asset is, is speed. Um, you know, he's more fast than quick. So in traffic, he doesn't necessarily work that well. Not a ton of shiftiness. Um, doesn't do a lot in short yardage situations. So, you know, this is another guy that I look at and say, you know, if him and Garrett Wilson end up the same, I'm not surprised. But this is another guy I look at and I just kind of see, and I've seen this at a Bama before too. This is another guy I look at though and I'm just like, okay, that's, it's kind of more of a one trick pony, right? This guy's fast and yeah, he can work a little bit over the middle, but he's not going to be a big yak guy. So this is a guy that you want to just, you just want him working downfield and, Unfortunately, the ceiling of a guy that's just working downfield is a lot of boom bust, and it's Will Fuller slash you know Deshaun Jackson in his prime. You say Will Fuller? I did say Will Fuller. It's Will Fuller. His best comparables are pretty rough, but not as rough as somebody else will get to later. No, I mean it's it's yeah, his this guy. I see Dante Pettis on there, and uh... <laughs> well, yes. I did see and that. Dami as Brown well. and Cedric Wilson. Yeah, but I don't. I just I just don't get my rocks off the Alabama receivers anymore, especially in these mm-hmm. clumps where it's like, are, I they're going to get overhyped. They're going to get overdrafted, and is what this is Henry Rux two point maybe a little more polished Henry Rux. Yeah, it's maybe. Henry Rux that doesn't kill people. I hope. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's what everyone hopes, and you know. Yeah, DC. I, you know, I've seen rumors that Kansas City may be moving up to get him, which would be one of the dumbest moves in the entire draft. Um, and it, I don't think they should move up to get him if they can get him where they're currently at. I love that that fit. Which I, but. I mean, maybe, but he, he, I mean, he won't. I mean, we can just safely assume that he'll go to it. I've seen a lot of him falling to the Saints or the Eagles, which would just immediately get me off both of them be a giant mistake for the eagles the saints i think if michael thomas is back i could see that being i mean i could see that being an okay fit you got james winston throwing him bombs or interceptions but james has got the arm for it he's not he's not gonna be gun shy that's for sure yeah for (laughs) maybe a year i mean it's it's hard to project to his quarterback throwing him the football after this year and that saints offense is going to be Woof. Yeah. I mean, maybe. I mean, we've seen speed guides hit, but 
we've seen, you know, we've seen the NFL tell us how they view speed guys and how teams continue to misuse them constantly. So, I mean, it might be in Williams' uh, favor that he didn't test and run a sub 4 3, because then he would just become the next Ruggs and John Ross and, and just be miscast, misused, and, and thrown out. Yeah, I mean, I really entered this process thinking that Jamison Williams was going to be a prospect that uh, I wouldn't like, that the model wouldn't like, um, but this is why I do it. Because uh, what I think and what the model thinks are two different things. Uh, and the model actually did like him, and I was actually growing to like him over time. Um, <laughs> I actually do like Jamison Williams. I understand that he is, like, I, again, is he uh, an elite wide receiver one? Ooh. Probably not. Probably not. Um, right. The, the the safer bet is on not than is. Um, but could he if he turned into Will Fuller, which is who I comped him to as well, uh here in in the pre-draft report that came out today. Uh yep. I didn't like, steal that, but I just looked at it and saw no, it. No, no, no. It, it, it's so, it's fine. Yeah. Uh, it was just good to hear that I wasn't too far off. But I mean, you know, when I look at it, I look at just two their kind of closest compasses within the model. Um yeah, I think we'd all be very happy with that. I think we would you too, know, especially if the we'd be thrilled, especially uh, if it can be a little, outcome. little more healthy. I mean, yeah, a, a little more healthy. Will Fuller is really nice. Yes. So, uh, and obviously, as we talk about James Williams, who has a torn ACL. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I like Williams. I actually, I actually do like Williams, and I think he'd be a, a great pick. I'm not at all scared about the torn ACL. A lot of the guys tear their ACLs, come back, mm-hmm. and it'll be fine. Um, so, yeah, I'm really excited for, for this kid. Uh, obviously, uh, I do think that Alabama receivers do get far too much credit. Um, but, you know, Jameson Williams did this on a team where he wasn't competing with Devontae Smith and he wasn't competing with uh, Jerry Judy and Jalen Waddell, uh, John Mechie, who's <laughs> third round from the looks of it at best. Right? Like, yeah. not. not you know, so you got to give him credit there. Uh, I didn't love the fact, you know, I, I entered thinking I wasn't going to love the fact that he was a, a one-year wonder, um, but I, I think I'm starting to realize that maybe that doesn't matter so much. So um, it, just ha- it just matters that it happens. So It's not like he, you know, moved from a Big Ten school to a G5 school. He went from Ohio State to Bama. Right. Arguably, it's like, there's like, yes, there's a transfer there, but. Right. There's a transfer eh. there. But the other thing, uh, and I think I, I think I may have tweeted this out. Maybe I was talking with a friend. I don't remember anymore. But uh, does Ohio State have a history of using the proper wide receiver? No. no. Which 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 probably runs counter to my Garrett Wilson thing earlier, well, <laughs> right? Like uh, you can look that at it feels that that feels a bit more yeah, obvious. It does but, this time around. But they, they just don't like. They, I don't think they've ever really evaluated their personnel that well. Um, and Jameson Williams could be the next guy where it was like, oh, we totally screwed this up and he should have been playing and we just didn't play him. Oh, and maybe and- it was because he maybe it was because he ordered pizza one day when he should have ordered chicken salad. And the <laughs> coach was like, get out. you're never you're never seeing the field yeah. um, like we don't know what it was. But for whatever reason, it didn't work out there, but it clearly worked out at Alabama. And if it can work out there. You know, it didn't work out there for Joe Burrow either, but it worked out at LSU. So right, I mean, Ohio State has a history of not playing the right people, right? And Joe Burrow's been uh pretty okay so He's far. He's been pretty good at football. I mean, it's been they're able to have a successful football. program, but but they don't play the best NFL uh, future NFL stars. No. no, they don't. All right, anything else on Williams? I think that 
pretty well covers it. I mean, yeah, not a lot of dissension there. All right, next up, Chris Olave, um, going just a tick, basically two tenths of a pick behind Williams. So a lot of people valuing Olave and Williams very similar to each other, which I think is fair. Um, Miguel, why don't you go ahead and start with with Olave? He's in tier four for you. Uh, you got a Dante yeah. Pettis comparison on him. Yeah, he was the. Cl- I guess someone uh, on Reddit was uh, saying I basically like chose violence today for uh, <laughs> comparing him to Pettis, and it's like people liked Pettis. What, I did like Pettis. Like, I'm, this I'm, was as prospects, right? Like this isn't as what happened in the NFL. It's me. I'm people. Um, uh, so. <laughs> You know, I wasn't a big Pettis fan, but I got why the NFL liked him. Um, and I think Olave is better than Pettis. So, yes, yeah. he is. I think Olave is good. Um, I think he might be the safest floor wide receiver in this class um, where I, I don't think it's going to matter where he goes. Uh, he's going to be a solid number two to someone else's number one. Um, you know, like... Uh, if he gets in the right spot, we'll say DK Metcalf's number one. He can be the the Tyler Lockett, um, and, and I, I think that's a good a, a good outcome for Olave. Especially, I mean, I gave him a lot of shit for going back to school, and I think he still should have come out because he just got outplayed um, in his final year. He, I, I doubt he couldn't have gone in. Well, last class was a little more stacked, so maybe he would have gone second round, not first. Um, but that's probably what happened. It's probably someone told them you're not the, going first round this year. You try next year. Yeah, it's the the next class isn't so great. That person was right. <laughs> um, who's that guy? Uh, so yeah, I think Olave is a fine player. I, I, have, I have no no issues with him. I think he's probably going exactly where he should be going. Mm-hmm. And I and I really like the. Um... The Tyler Lockett comparison, or you know, a guy like like Doug Baldwin before Lockett really took off. I mean, right? Yeah, Alave is a guy that to me projects as a is an inside slot solid route runner. Um, that's got good speed through his his breaks, and he's got some burst to him. Um, if you land in a high volume place like Cooper Cup, then that floor is very very high, and you know a guy with burst reliable hands and a solid route runner tends to, to give you some pretty safe pieces. Uh, yeah. especially when you're, you're picking rookies, the upside may not be there and the allure and the intrigue of guys like Traylon Burks or Drake London, or even Garrett Wilson and some of these speed guys isn't there, but you know, Olave has just got a very put together complete game and showcases really to me is just reliable. So I agree that, you know, it's a situation where the floor is high um, you know, the upside may be a little bit capped. He doesn't have a boatload of agility or jump ball ability or, or at least not that he showed on film. So not a big contested guy, um, a little bit on the smaller side. So I think he is ultimately going to play inside, but you can see that be productive. You can see that be productive with wide receiver one weeks and be a solid wide receiver two or three for your team. Everybody yeah. you draft, is it going to be this elite Right, you know, he's, wide receiver one person. So I, yeah, I think I, I think he's the guy's going to give you consistent like wide receiver two weeks with the mm-hmm. occasional blow up game and great. Most landed spot mock team, Green Bay. I love, pick twenty two. Uh, I would that, love that's, it. It's a great I think that is a dream, hard. absolute dream landing spot. 
for what Rodgers would need. You know, four-year guy, a lot of experience, productive. I mean, he broke he, out at 19. So. Do you think his ADP rises as a result? He'll be the wide receiver one, I think. If I think whoever lands in Green Bay or Casey and a guy if, like Alave does have a lot of holes. We'll, size we'll, and not we'll be say this. Clear. Garrett Wilson goes to Atlanta. He goes to Green Bay. Olave. Olave. Um, I mean, I'm so I still sucks that he's not early to Claire, so we lose that spot. I mean, but yeah, I would I would obviously be taking Olave as well. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, and I think that with um, the Green Bay comparison, you're right because you think of the guys that have succeeded out of that slot role. Randall Cobb is the immediate one that comes to mind, and done very very well at that. And there's some synergies there with Olave too. Actually, I want to look at that now. You're gonna have me. His best comparable is Stefan Diggs. Uh, Jerry Judy's obviously a popular one given his size, but yeah, Diggs, Stills, Hamler, Judy, and Ted Ginn. Again, this is all best player comparable on PlayerProfiler.com. Uh, greatest tool to use. Got help it. you win. We're totally not sponsored by them. We're just gonna give them. We're not. Money. We just use the hell out of them. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Anything else on Alave? We're moving pretty well through this. Well, it's a mat, you know, it's yeah. wonders when, you know, bourbon's not involved. <laughs> That's true. George Pickens, uh, next guy off the board that is the wide receiver six per rookie ADP, uh, going a little under two picks after Williams and Alave. Uh, Dan, you're, you're, uh, I hear you bring up Pickens a lot. So let's go ahead and have you. You start here, and then we can maybe throw a little bit of water on it. It's not going to be a lot of water. It's going to be room temperature water, not cold water. But. <laughs> I think it all dates back to, you know, to Devi and, and falling in love with prospects. And, uh, you know, Pickens fits the perfect billing to that. It's a five-star recruit. Number one is recruiting class. He goes, you know, he goes to Georgia, and, and he, he has a productive freshman season, given the offense that he's in. Georgia goes through his woes in his sophomore season. He struggles and then he gets hurt in spring ball, comes back and you get, you know, you get fun clips of him just, you know, bullying and bruising people. But at six three, two hundred pounds, he fits the new age size for the NFL. You know, you think of that side, you think of Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson, George Pickens, who clearly aren't, isn't on the Jamar Chase level of prospect, but one of his comparables is, is that is you know, Justin Jefferson, and it it, it it wonders if he was on a more on a more prolific passing offense, would he have been able to be, you know, to post those insane numbers? And while we don't know that, it, it's something that I always wondered. But he doesn't have the greatest uh, production comparables; only just a fifteen percent tallest year. That's just twenty ninth percentile. But again, you know, with early breakout days, I know he's not going to go round one. I've seen some mocks where maybe he goes to KC. At 29 or 30, and as high as, as the Packers at 28. Um, I've seen a lot of him fall high round two, high to mid round two. You know, the Bears, the Packers, if, you know, if they go, you know, double receiver. Um, I will forever love him the same way I love David Bell. I'm just, I have my expectations just given his history of injury um, and kind of now the, the now off the field issues that are coming up about him. Yeah, I, so I think there are three, and we're, we're going to talk about another one of these guys next. Uh, I think he comes up right after, and I'm sure the other one's not too far along after that. But there is the what I've called kind of the Devi trio of wide receivers that 
the community as a whole will prop up more than they probably should. Um, and I've struggled with, if I had to pick one that I thought was going to be like the guy, like who would it be? But that is the trio of Pickens, Ross and uh, Dotson. Um, Cause I don't think any of them are all that special. Um, I think they'll be better NFL wide receivers and they will be fantasy wide receivers uh, at the end of the day, which, you know, great, great for them. Um, but I, I think I've, I've crossed Ross off the list and now I've I, just depends on what time of day you catch me. I'm either picking Pickens or Pickens and Dotson. I pick Pickens like, just given the alpha qualities. I like he's, he's got like, He's got the bigger size. Well, he's got he does. hands apparently. Um, I've got Dotson and Pickens back. I was, back, I was, but I almost want to lean Dotson a little bit just because. Yeah, I was first like, if you ask me a month ago, I was like all in on the Pickens side, and now I've kind of leaned and I'm more in on the Dotson side. And I don't know how much that's just people tweeting that I is, you know, subconsciously affecting me. Um, and, and Dotson, yeah, I, I see most I, mocked to the Packers too. So there's, just, there's, yeah, I've seen a lot of him too. I, you know, everyone yeah. falls in love with the 18-year-old breakout age, but it, more to it. it doesn't matter that much. Like, it's great that he did it. I like the freshman year breakout. But that, I like the 18-year-old. Yeah, I, I like the 18-year-old breakouts that, like, dominate the whole time that they're in the NFL. Not that they did it once and then got hurt and then were like, eh. Um, Brian Edwards, <laughs> we're looking at you. Yeah. Right. Like, <laughs> it's just, it's not that Bastard. impressive at the end of the day. Like, it's great that they did it, but they clearly fell off. Um, and and for for a variety of reasons, so like I just I don't know I, I'm not super high on, on on any of these guys. Yeah, I've got Pickens. You miss me with Pickens, and that's fine. If I'm wrong on him, I'm wrong on him. I see Pickens kind of as like DJ Chark to me, where I'm not surprised if he gives you some some solid seasons, and I'm also not surprised if there's just a complete disappearance <laughs> after a solid season, for example. Um, and and it, he's uh. He he also did make the the pre draft list, which yeah. uh, I know that hurts to see. As I stated in there, the the pre draft list one of the important things is that it's all about who's not there, right? Because it captures historically a little over eighty percent of the guys that go on to hit. So mm-hmm. now George has to compete with the Hunter Renfro's, the ones that we don't expect to hit. Um, ah, that's hard, man. That's hard. I will say with Pickens, not the, there. That's a red flag. The things that I liked were. Um, you know, from a film perspective, is that one, he, he did show an ability to adjust to the ball well, which you kind of have to do to have any sort of productivity when JT Daniels is throwing you the football. Um, Daniels gave him plenty of opportunities to show that he could adjust to bad throws. And so bad. He does. The body control was solid. Um, that goes along with the spectacular catchability. He was able to win deep and he's got good break to his routes, which did allow him to gain some separation, but. Ability after the catch wasn't fantastic. He did have some struggles with drops. Um, you know, there wasn't necessarily, I guess, his body control and ability to adjust to bad throws, which ideally you don't have to do, was really the only thing that jumped out to me as, like, an elite trait. So I just don't see Pickens as one of those guys that might be an alpha on a bad team. I think if he's on a good team, then... You know, the best you're hoping for is a like a Mike Williams type of wide receiver too, who just disappears sometimes. Yeah. So. Yeah, I agree with that. 
We're really selling this class, by the way. I just <laughs> every player is like, yeah. I swear, <laughs> I swear the depth is good, but my, I mean, yeah, like yeah the, depth the, the depth is, is there, good. It's, it's just, it's just holes. Every prospect's got holes, man. There is no Jamar Chase. I think no that Jamar hurts. Chase. A guy after, who the think, year after Jamar Chase. A guy who I think doesn't have. Well, he's got holes too, actually. <laughs> this feels like the, this feels like the uh, I think it's the 2015 class. Where it really that Demari Cooper? No, no, was that yeah. sixteen or fifteen? I think that was fifteen. I think it was fifteen. I think it was Amari Cooper, and you got Tyler Boyd, and that's it. And Mike? Oh no, Mike Thomas was a year after. I thought Mike. I thought I thought both Mike Thomases were were in the same year as Tyler Boyd. That's sixteen. You guys can keep chatting. I'll uh, try to yeah, because that was Laquan Treadwell. That was the fifteen class. Mike Thomas was a good M. Good and bad Mike Thomas was a part of that draft class. Oh, then was it the 16 class? 16 was... Ah, it was the 16 16 class. was the Laquan Treadwell. Was, uh, oh, that was actually the Michael Thomas class. That was oh, right. All right. I, I just had yeah. them flip-flops. Yeah. So you, had, yep. you, got, you got Boyd and you got Thomas. Injured Wolf Fuller. Yep. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the list. Corey Campbell. Oh, man. That, that was that was the Leontay Carew, Corey Coleman. Oof. Tajay Sharp, Josh Doxson, Juan Treadwell, like, yeah, like all that whole class. And to God, they all whiffed. You know? they all, literally everyone. Nobody hit. Every first round prospect. Well, I mean, Will Doxson. Fuller, I guess, maybe, but injuries, yeah. you know, took that away from him. Yeah, so, right. you know, th- that's what this class feels like to me. Not Jackson, but Jahan Dotson, the next guy we're going to talk about. And I think that Dotson's floor is pretty undeniable for me um you know he was open like a lot even the ball wasn't going to him the dude was open all the freaking time uh plus acceleration and up to speed quick he was agile cut it on a cut on a dime fluid change of direction some spectacular catchability a lot of versatility in how it was used now hands left a bit to be desired uh he has some unnecessary jumps when he catches the football. Uh, long speed, eh. He's got quick get up and go, so he's more short burst explosive than he is long di- long distance explosive. Um, not a good contested ball, guys. This is another guy that's going to win with separation. Could end up sliding into a slot role, um, but he's a good route runner. Uh, could be a matchup problem in the slot. He has the athleticism, the ability to play outside. I just don't think that's where he's best cast. Kind of, it's almost kind of like Juju, where you can play him outside, but you're going to be much better running him out of the slot, um, and you're going to need him in a high volume offense as well. So you're kind of getting into slot city here. Um, again, why I like him to the Packers though, because you've seen that type of where he's mocked to a lot, because you've seen that type of receiver be successful. And this is a guy that is going to win with his route running. He's going to win with his ability to separate. He's not going to be downfield. Well, they're also in dire need. I mean, they have Lazard and probably Watkins. And then they don't have a slot guy with Cooper gone and Amari Rogers, more of a special teams guy. Um, so they're, they're in that dire need of a, of a slot flanker. And Doxon, like Alave, has the speed to play outside, has, you know, has the experience. And I think Rogers would like his skill set. Given his ability, like Cobb, to be able to work in all three quarters of the field, um, it's just I get another very good number two, right? Doesn't have the size to probably be a profile as an alpha top one uh, tier receiver, but 
he fits the mold of today's class. He's just or he, he fits the mold of what of what's winning in today's NFL speed and route running. Um, I mean, you know, and the and the ability to win after the catch. He's just twenty pounds lighter than what we want him to be, and you know, those guys are going to be you know caps in terms of you know of his ultra ceiling. But he can definitely be a very productive wide receiver too in fantasy, especially if he goes to Green Bay and especially in the early portions of his career. I think they, yeah. I, I like the comparison that PSI gives them too, Miguel. I, I, I do like the, um, Darnell uh, Mooney. Should I just lost it? Yeah. The Darnell Mooney comparison. Cause Mooney's yeah, a guy he, who I also think projects best as a, is a two more field stretcher than inside, but mm-hmm. yeah, that, a little, a little flip flop there, but, uh, yeah, I would agree. I, I think people are really high on Mooney. I'm very high on Mooney, obviously, um, from previous years. But, uh, you know, I, I think Mooney needs uh, a true alpha alongside of him to really unlock him. Um, and I think Dotson's just going to be the same way. You know, he's he's a nice player. You, you know, I think he's going at 112 right now, right? Is that That's what I had in here, but I could be wrong. That may have been updated. Um, um. Yeah, probably depends on which, one, which yeah. well one twelve yeah twelve point four two average pick so one twelve two one somewhere in there. yeah yeah so yeah somewhere around then um I guess that's fine I would put him as a second round pick but if you're getting him at the end of the first it's basically a second round pick I think that makes sense uh but it, like like I said with the with the trio it's, uh, I guess pick whichever one you think is your favorite and, and hope for the best I, I'm just not gonna lean on the 18 year old breakout ages and uh the, the i'll have them to, to, i'll take them all although he didn't break out at 18 but oh. i'm just not going to lean on the the debbie hype and and hope that and, and pretend like he's the greatest thing um, i feel like his best. hype was like which is in like a like three or four game stretch i think it was the end of 2020 season or something like that and it, right. it just felt He's also a little light, five eleven, one seventy eight, and I think in prior years that would have been a bigger factor for me. Obviously, the NFL is shifting with uh, what they draft and look for in wide receivers, so I'm less concerned about that these days. Um, Still a little too light. He's he's fine. Yeah, yeah, he's he's someone. If I can get him, great. Uh, If I miss out on him, then I guess I'm drafting Pickens if he's there. (laughs) 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 Like, give me whichever one of the three is available. No, he's not my favorite guy that I have in this in this area. My favorite guy that that's in this area comes. He makes a an appearance later, actually. And there's a guy in your tier one for your draft that I also really really like that I may take over uh, John Dotson even. So mm-hmm. little little. Oh, there's definitely one. Little we're, things. We're, we're probably there. thinking of the same person. There's small school Elijah Moore. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's what I call him. Okay. If we're thinking of the same player, we, we might not. I, I, I don't think we are. I don't think we are actually. I think I know who you're thinking of. Well, small school legend, but there's, there's. Well, I don't hang out on Twitter, so. Uh, I mean, so it'll be fun when we get there, right. I guess. Let's, let's see when we get there. Um, but yeah, there's two guys that I like more than than Dotson that are going later, and maybe three it's because da- it's even, David Bell, isn't it? Because even the no, I'm, I'm about to riff on him in a minute. <laughs> I'm the only one that still likes Dan, him. Even I'm like, even yeah, I'm smart about you're it. Talk about I like. I think you're talking about I like a lot too. I got a different comparison for him though. Um, all right, David Bell. <laughs> I, I'm just gonna go ahead and kick this off and end it all in one shot. 
He's a big body who can position to win contested balls. Other than that, he's slow. He's unathletic. He's sloth-like. He doesn't separate. He has no noticeable explosion or, or pop. He's slow. Defenders play through his body. He runs like he's in quicksand. He's slow. Did I mention <laughs> that he's slow? Um, my final thoughts on him, I just had the shortest final thoughts right up I did, and it just says move to tight end. Oh, he's way too smart for that, too. He's 6'1", 209. There you go. He's, his, 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 his one, his, his saving grace is nothing? slot. That's his saving grace. It's slot. You have to have he, agility to he, be he, successful in the slot, though. He, no, you don't. No, you, he, not he not as much anymore. As From a combine uh, perspective, like he he, he was... He, he failed, failed everything. The, yeah, everything. I mean, he failed everything. Got it hurts. The forty so yard dash, the vertical leap, the twenty yard shuttle, and the three cone. This would be like if failed. And then the one thing that he was decent at uh, was the broad jump. Like it wasn't great. It was just good enough, oh. barely good enough. And his pro day forty was somehow worse. Yeah. Yeah. I. I the, <laughs> He, he is. He so is what I, Drake. He is I, if Drake London tested. I will say that's this. How, I, I think that's this how I feel is, about uh, him right now. I think this is a really good example and something I wanted to highlight of, because um, Peter Howard brought it up the other day. Like he and I, <laughs> for whatever reason, I feel like his last few tweets are exactly what I'm thinking as I'm sitting at my desk doing work or whatever, uh, and I'm like, oh, like, you know, this is like a really important topic that someone should be talking about and that I should be bringing forward. Um, from my own work or whatever, and then like Peter Howard will like actually tweet it out, and I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what I'm fucking thinking. I'm like, he's on it, like he, that's right. Uh, and one of the things he mentioned recently is that you know you have to understand um, the weaknesses of your model, right? Because every model is wrong, like they're all wrong. Yeah, it's just understanding why they're wrong, right? And I think David Bell um, and 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 Wandale Robinson are like great great examples of this um and obviously there's still a chance like they could completely prove us wrong and they can blow blow up and then the, the model happens to be right uh but the the way i see it like none of these profiles like when you actually look at the 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 whole picture you don't see profiles like that hit you just no, don't you don't but, but the way the the model is set up right it's it's just continuing to add Every it's the sum of multiple parts, um, but it doesn't look at the whole picture and go, "Oh yes, uh, this is good, this is bad." It just goes, "Oh yep, it 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 did this well, it did that bad, it did this well, it did that bad," and here's your final score. Um, and so when we looked at the entire profile, I understand why the model likes David Bell and Wondell Robinson. I get it, but at the same time, I look at that and go, "No, yeah. <laughs> like just no." Um, and that's what people have to understand. Like that's that's where you really get the 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 learnings and how you can maximize, you know, using whoever's pro the model you want to use. Like you know, use it, but understand its weaknesses. Understand where it go, where it can go wrong, and where it has historically. And it's the David Bell profiles and the Wandale Robinson or the Greg Dorches or you know all of those guys that just don't do anything because at the end of the day, like they. Uh, yeah. You know, in at all these individual areas, yes, they were really great, but at the end of the day, that whole profile fucking sucks. <laughs> I have one I have one hope. His best comparable on playerprofiler.com is Quan Bolden. Bolden. So if it's twenty years ago, very David sim- Bell would be good. What's that? So if it was twenty years ago, David Bell would be good. 
I mean, he was good up until his late Sorry, 30s. 15 years ago, David Bell would be good. Oh, <laughs> I mean, did Anquan Bolden tank the combine that completely? Yeah, his 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 athletic profile is actually worse. Oh no way! It's slightly worse, and he played outside to start, that but out, you know he also got late day two. He, he got late round two draft capital, and it was paired with the greatest one of the greatest receivers that we've ever had, and you know, you know Larry Fitzgerald, and then productive in Baltimore in that big slot role. Oh, Look, God. David Bell's uh, probably not going to hit. Probably uh, not. Yeah, it is probably it's, not. Like, he's not going to hit. Yes, and there's like, no way he should be gone at, at the mid of round two. That 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 is a that is a terrible, right. a terrible spot right. for him I, to be. I would at. say this, like, yeah, I, I'm looking at Anquan Bolden's profile. Holy crap, he right, he was actually worse than David Bell. Yeah, um, but obviously, you can see that that could succeed. It's just the again the law of probabilities, right? Like, how many Anquan Boldens have there been since 2003? There's been one Anquan absolutely, yeah. It, it, uh, it's like trying to find the next Tyreek Hill. You're it, not going to find the next Anquan Bolden. It's just, yeah, you're betting on such a small thing. You're betting again. on like I, guys I get, like Jarvis Landry hitting. I, I and, get why the model likes him. I totally understand it, and I agree with that. But I, at the same time, as a rational person, I look at the history <laughs> of things and go, no, no, <laughs> nope, no. I agree with that. Nope. Can't believe he's going. Earlier than mid second, that that's a mistake. He he's someone I'll take in the third round, just because I'm okay with it. All right, polarizing, sort of. Uh, Christian Watson checks in is the ninth wide receiver off the board, going uh, average two two to two three, uh, somewhere in the high second round. Athletic marvel. Uh, not a lot of productivity though at a smaller school. So you look at it and you're like, okay, smaller school prospects. I want him to dominate. On film, he absolutely looks like he dominated. When you look at his overall career metrics and his single season metrics and everything, yeah, really he didn't. Like he was dominating competition, but he wasn't. I can't really explain the productivity not being there, which is my concern with Christian Watt. My biggest concern with Christian Watson. It's it's odd because it's he's gonna take some. He's gonna have to adjust the NFL levels of competition, and he is. He's he's just this hyper specimen of an athlete. That's I've seen I've seen goal I've seen mocked in round one. Yeah, like again, Green too. Bay, Kansas City, which again would be good fits. You know, in terms of what his build looks like, but the guy's going to step under the field as a four year senior and, and only played against the shittiest of the shit competition, and he's going to have to adjust that and learn to you know play press because he's probably going to play on the line. He's gonna have to learn how to beat press, you know, you know, at his size, and and and, and if he's gonna struggle against some of these more uh, physical and aggressive corners, it doesn't matter how fast you are if you're getting knocked off your route, you know, two seconds into it. So, yeah, I I, I like him. I'm just like, you know, I, 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 I like the draft capital. That's pretty much it. I like the obviously. It's, it's I like the exciting profile. Yeah, um, yeah, because you can envision the upside of like, man, oh, if yeah, you can, if you can, if he puts it together, guy, yeah, holy yeah. hell. Um, so that's really nice, and it's not like he wasn't completely unproductive, he did have a dominated rating of 35%, so like, he he, he was good. Um, uh, but he's like, he's kind of the opposite David Bell, isn't he? Like, David Bell was like ultra productive, but really unathletic. Yes, and here we have a really athletic guy, but on film, you're just like, he wasn't really used the way. Yeah. He, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, so he really is like the the antithesis. It's a small school, Dodgers. small school hyper product or small school James hyper athletic. Just somehow like, not that productive. Small right. school and Jamison Williams. I mean, and was it the school? Like, was it the offense? Like, I I, I don't know, Chris. Maybe, maybe you have got a better uh, insight on quarterback that, play was relatively bad, but I mean, he was just used deep a ton, and that was was Ooh. basically it. I mean, but quarterback yeah. play definitely didn't help at all. So it's best comparable are just like, hey, let's just oh, go deep. No, don't. And hopefully do something. It's best comparables <laughs> are rough. Don't, don't spoil that one because I actually took that as a no. And when you trace yeah. it, it's pretty bad. It, it's it's like it's bus like I have their city. data profile popped up. So I, I popped up their five highest for them. God, it's just a. It's yeah, bust. He might, it's he might, he might bust have like the most city. upside, right? Or at least the most exciting upside, I guess, might be the best way to put it, just because of his, uh, what he did at the combine. Um, but again, if he's really got to be, if he's got to be refined, uh, you know, kind of the one sort of red flag for me is that, like, how much time is he going to get to do that, right? He's going to enter yeah. the league at 23, a little over 23 years old. Um, I always say you've got until your age 25 season to put it together. So that's really only going to give him like two years before you've got to throw in the towel if he doesn't hit. Um, I can't wait for him to go that, to that, right compared to a Drake London who's entering at 21. Is that like yeah. four whole years to do what he needs to do? I can't yeah. wait for him to land into a team like Atlanta or something like a bad offense with obviously a glaring hole at wide receiver, Chicago potentially. And watch him get overdrafted. If, I know, yeah. I'm, just, I'm just saying in general, he's going to get overdrafted. Then, like, he's one of those guys where it's like, I, I, I probably won't have much shares of him, even though I don't hate his profile. It's just. I'm scared off by him. The same way I'm almost getting scared off of Burks. I'm scared off of Watson, just given historically what these guys have have looked like have produced, and it's not pretty. Fast and he wins contested, but man, when you look at the comparable players and you see Denzel Mims, Kevin White, and Brashad Perriman, that's... Uh, Terrace Marshall and Kevin Terrace yeah. Marshall and yeah, Terrace Marshall was uh, in there. Devonta too. Parker, so he so he's gonna be a fifth year breakout at twenty nine years old. That's dope. all sorts awesome. of fucking yikes, amazing. Thank you. Despite how good the the athletic profile all, is, that's all, a lot of all prospects that we were all in on at one point, though, right? Um, I mean, Marshall, I, yeah, I, I I won't make fun of it too much. I've learned my lesson. <laughs> yeah, because I was big on Mims. Yeah. Well, so was I, you know, for shop here. I mean, I liked him. This was before I, I, I dove hard, but yeah, I mean, a big fast right. and he got first round DC. Like right. what happened? Uh, yeah. I think Christian Watson can be really exciting. I, I hope he puts it together. I love that they used him as a, you know, in the Debo Samuel role too. They had him kind of rushing and handing him off and things like that. So uh, I was a Swiss army player at, at his size too, um, which mm-hmm. I tweeted about earlier when the whole Debo Samuel thing, you know, he used to be Trey Lance's running mate, like, it's easy to see. You know, you know, the Niners saw him on tape two years ago <laughs> um, when they were doing their, their Trey Lance studies. Oh, my so God. He's going to go to them. Easy, it's easy to envision the Niners being in on Watson. Except he won't be available at the back of the second. I don't think he'll be Unless available. they trade Debo uh, Samuel. Yeah, that's true. And so they're take that's, that's the only way. That, that and is yeah, this not kind of what way. they wanted with, uh, you know, potentially, I don't know, Jalen Hurd, for example? I mean, Except if you can way get more athletic, same, like if they if they think they can get similar usage, I'm not going to say production, but similar usage um, from Watson at a cheaper rate. I mean, that's ultimately what these teams want. They want to replace the old vet with. They want to be Minnesota. They want to replace 
Stefan Diggs with Justin Jefferson. Thing? I don't think they want to be Minnesota. I think they want to make <laughs> well, that same move. In terms Minnesota. of that moment, they want to have a that type of uh they, they they want that they want that type of situation to happen. All right. Next guy on the list is Sky Moore. Um he is going wide receiver ten. Uh looks like two oh six, two oh seven range. Dan, is this who you're talking about when you said small school? Yeah, small school. Actually. Yeah, this is not who I was talking about. I got a, okay. I got a different character on Skymore. I got okay. a different comparison for Skymore. But well, I mean, I, 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 there's a lot of them. I think he's gonna. I love Skymore, so I, uh, I, I do too. I, I don't hate Skymore at all. I like a, him a lot. A, a ton um, from the film community. So I'd love to hear your perspective, Chris. Um, but from yeah, what I've please. seen, uh, you know, he's he's exciting. Uh, I comped him to Golden Tate. And That's in a class... two player profiler. I, look at you. Oh, wow. Yeah, look at All you. Right. So, yeah, look at you. Smart, good smart guy over there. Um, if in a class where we aren't sure there are many elite wide receivers, if any, if the best player that comes out of it is Golden Tate 2.0 in terms of like what he ends up doing in the NFL and for fantasy teams, I'd be really excited about that. I'd be happy. I'd be thrilled, and you're getting him when? <laughs> like, that's how upside down this whole thing That's going to change, right? though, because he's going to go high enough for him. I think he's going to. You don't think that's baked in already? You don't think people are baking in a second? I mean, maybe, but I, I mean, that's become a trend now as people, you know, people analyzing mock drafts, like the actual NFL mock drafts to get potential ADP and landing spots. But, I mean, it hasn't happened yet. You know, uh, so it's true. So he could go up a little bit. And obviously he tested as the number one guy. I'll tell you right now. I want him over David Bell. I want him over Christian Watson. <laughs> yes, I want him yes, over absolutely. any other second receiver there. And I probably would take him over Jahan Doxon. No, uh, Pickens would be where I, 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 I start to, uh, I start to debate because, you know, man crush is the only reason why. He's currently the the number one wide receiver in this class, right? As of the pre-draft report that uh, uh, is out there now, um, and you know, like two two years ago, I think last year was Jamar Chase, uh, and then the year before that was Gabriel Davis, and look where Gabriel Davis is now, right? Uh, I'm in on yeah. Sky Moore, like give me Sky Moore, especially at that price <laughs> in in a class where we don't know anything. Fuck. Yeah, a- absolutely right. <laughs> like give me Sky Moore. There are two guys that I think I would rather have over Sky Moore, but that's not to say I don't like Sky Moore. So my perspective on Sky Moore was basically this. He runs one hell of a slant route with the ability to get vertical. Um, not overly agile or quick in his routes, but very solid on his positioning. Very solid route trees, very well refined. Um, running back type vision and instincts, which is where I do think the um, Elijah Moore comparison kind of comes into play. Because he does have those ty- that type of vision and instincts. Almost like mini Debo Samuel is kind of what I saw watching him with the ball in his hands, especially around the line of scrimmage and how he he runs. He's fast enough to work deep, but primarily does work inside. Um, again, not a ton of elite trades, but just a very well-rounded player. Um, nothing that says, hey, here's alpha characteristics. So the guy that I compared him to is actually the guy that just reset the whole damn wide receiver market. Christian Kirk. It was Christian Kirk because of the ability to go inside and outside as a receiver. And then I did make the note that 
he does have those running back instincts and the ability to do Debo things, but in a smaller package. So, you know, I can see the Elijah Moore comparisons as well. Uh, but as a receiver, I definitely saw a lot of Christian Kirk to his game with the which ability is, uh, to play some Debo in there. But which is the best smaller. comparable to Elijah Moore? So I mean, it's obviously yeah. Stacks. This archetype yeah. of receiver, it's what's starting to truly take off. This, it's mm-hmm. it, it's the slot flanker guys. So it's interesting that uh, well, while you were talking there, Chris, you mentioned that he isn't uh, twitchy enough. Um, and I just kind of wanted to bring up kind of this, the more yeah. Tate c- comparable. Because um, I don't even think I even really looked at it like this. But they're both 5'10", yep. 195, 199 at the time that they were prospects. Mm-hmm. Um, both entering at age 21. Both had a 40% dominator rating. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and round there. Um, and they had a Golden Tate, 442. Sky Moore, 441. Vertical Leap. Golden Tate, 35. Sky Moore, 34 and a half. Mm-hmm. Broad jump, 120 for Tate, 125 for Moore. So maybe a little more explosive there. Yeah, which is uh, good. 20 yard shuttle, 434 for Golden Tate, 432 for Sky Moore. Mm-hmm. And the three cone, which I was like, oh, yep, there's Sky Moore not having a good three cone, which is what you basically saw in film, a 7.13. Golden God, Tate, that's 7.12. And, and <laughs> his agility score so, is fucking horrible. For players like Sky Moore, I will say this. That's where the vision comes into play, though, and that's where the ability to be able to pick through traffic like a running back comes into play. Because if you're a touch slow and being able to react, if you can see it a touch quicker than most other people can, then you're going to be yeah. able to mask it and balance it out, and that is something that I do see Sky Moore doing, yeah. which yeah, is why I made the vision note. He's probably the most popular. I think the most universally, besides maybe Garrett Wilson, the most universally liked. That's also why a fun comp to, him to Elijah Moore is because I don't think anyone last year hated Elijah Moore, no. disliked him. It was, it was on a spectrum of of good to love, and that's where Sky Moore generally is for for most people. And I got him at good. I got him at probably going to be very good. I'm not in love. Because I also think he's going to go higher than two other guys that I think I'm definitely going to plant flags in. But, you know, big fan of Sky Moore. Nonetheless. All right. Uh, I just drank the last of my beer, so we're going to have to do that real quick. I'm on beer, too. We should probably want to try to lump up our favorites. Uh, yeah, we're going to we'll, we'll we'll talk to the back end. Let me see where that drop off is. We'll hit a beer review real quick. But Okay. Beer review. All right. Um, I'll go ahead because I've got to do it while this is still fresh in mind. So I had Old Irving Brewing Company's uh, Double Dry Hopped India Pale Ale. Checks in at 6.9%. Um, it's a good IPA. I get a lot of the juicy citrus um, that you're going to get out of Citra Mosaic Hops. Um, it's pretty nicely bounced out with with um, with the bitterness in this beer. Um, the citrus hangs around a lot. So again, it's you know not... Not harsh from a bettering perspective. Um, I would consider this a very drinkable IPA. Just a little bit on the creamier side. So, very well balanced, very easy to drink, and 
Yeah, I normally take a sip when I do. It's a hazy days, IPA. So. Like it's a hazy IPA. Yeah, there literally a, isn't much IPA. more you can it's add. It's the sky more of hazy IPAs. It's very, very solid. It didn't blow my <laughs> socks off, but I think it's got a going to have a good career. Oh, man, I love it. So now we're going to do player. Oh, my God. Remember the uh, the player comps to beer episodes? Oh, yeah. We should do more of those. Those are those are fun. I'll start one with this one. This is uh, so I did. um Force, Urban Forest Brewing out of uh, Rockford, Illinois. I did their Pilsner, Glass Slipper. Um, I've drank one and a half of these. I'm, I'm working on the second one right now. Obviously, you know from a you know from a look perspective, obviously you can look through it. It's very clean. Uh, I want to say that they probably dry up the hops that they use because it doesn't come off as a dry or bittering. It's more of a light floral juiciness to it. Uh, again, very light, very crisp, very very solid beer. This is also the Sky More <laughs> of beers. Um, solid all around. Uh, as I continue, as we continue to do a little more of these, uh, these lager based kind of beers on the show, as you kind of bring back more of the European feel to it, um, solid pilsners are, are a good way for me to get invested into your brewery because it helps to highlight your brewmaster and his ability to actually make beer and not hide it behind. Loads amounts of dry hopping or a shit ton of adjuncts, which is what was the common trend over the past about three or four years. What are you pouring over there now? Uh, just Woodenville Port. Okay. One of my favorite finish pours, just kind of my go-to when I want something that's easy to drink and not super high proof towards the end of these episodes. And really, a lot of that's predicated by the fact that normally I'd run over the beer keyser, but everything in there right now is festival beers that I'm trying to conserve. So that's I fair. had to find a bourbon. Miguel, you want to you want to give the fine people your thoughts on the on the sipping pretty? Sure. So uh, it's got the sipping tropical sour, pineapple, passion fruit, tangerine. Uh, it's really easy to drink. You know, if you're a hot summer day, like. Just uh, and if you're into sours, I, I love it. Uh, it's got my vote of approval. I think it's better than last year's version, to be honest. And I like last year's. I need you to go up and pick up some to sell when you're out running around get beer. Go find, go pick up the brewery that I work for. Oh, I, I've had distilled before. I might even still have one or two in my uh, beer fridge. I got a six year of Hawaii Five Ale upstairs. Nice. Good, good go-to girl. But, but if there's something new you want me to try, let me, let me know. Uh, Peach Cobbler. That's a new sour. I don't, it, we don't have our Minnesota rep anymore, so I'm not entirely sure if it's if it's out there yet, but it, 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 it definitely should be. All right. So we're going to pick up wide receivers again. I think we're going to – we'll roundtable this and each give – so we'll go in a circle two to three times, depending on who we cover. Um, and kind of wrap up the wide receiver side then we'll do a real because i put tight ends in the episode we'll do a real quick blurb on tight ends which matter less and less every year um so um miguel let's go ahead and start with you um and start with you know just name it just who's the guy you want to highlight we can discuss real quick and then we'll just keep her rolling um let's go with uh cliff care Oh, buddy. This is one of the guys I was like, yep, I will take them over Sky Moore. Really? That's interesting. I mean, he, he pops. He pops. He's number two right now in the pre-draft report. Um, 
Obviously, I don't know if he's going to be able to hang on with the draft capital that he gets, but it's good to know that, you know, his profile checks out before draft capital. Um, what do you, uh, what do you like about him? It's quick. He's agile. He returns punts. He's got spectacular catchability. He has no problem going full extension. Um, he was used out of the backfield. Um, particularly when they were really short on running backs, they plugged him back there and basically said go. So that tells you that in a copyback league, copycat league where you've seen Debo have the success he has and you've seen, um, oh, Cordero Patterson do what he's done, that that's a skill set that's in demand. He's got good twitch and wiggle with some balance and yak on intermediate routes. Very solid hands. Um, you know, knocks, yeah, speed not necessarily really, uh, elite. Um, he could separate a little bit more on routes, which I guess damn him for not being elite at everything, but he's very, very good across the board. I think it's just, I, if I'm looking for flaws, I'm just, I'm nitpicking. He's very, very solid. He was productive. Um, he's got explosiveness to him. He's got versatility to him. Um, birth, bursty, athletic and agile just looks like an NFL producer to me. Nice. Yeah. I, I, uh, his closest comp, uh, in, in the model was CD lamb, which was surprising to me. Um, but everything I've seen, uh, I I've liked about him. Um, uh, obviously again, he, he's coming in with a score of 91.2. He's going in second round, which just seems late second round 209, mm-hmm. uh, which just seems really out of whack, um, from a value perspective. Uh, I'd love to try and get some Khalil Shakir. I just don't think it's going to happen in one of my leagues. Cause, uh, I'm actually in the league with both of his agents. <laughs> oh wow! Really? <laughs> yeah, that's, um, that's incredible. They, 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 they've been they've been working their way up, and that's uh, they signed Khalil Shakir. Um, so I'm guessing one of those two is probably going to take them, which uh, they probably should. Um, so yeah, I love their pro- I love their uh, their client. The other thing um, I will say about him too is even if he doesn't get high DC, right? So I've in particular have had some some good hits on some lower DC guys. And, um, you know, all you got to do is stick on a roster. And that's why I like the fact that he showed he can do some at running back, could do some at wide receiver, that he could return punts because that's going to kind of max and play special teams because that's going to kind of maximize his ability to find a role on that roster and to be able to stick on a roster if you know that you have an emergency running back a wide receiver a punt returner and a guy that could probably play as a gunner as well if you needed him to no absolutely like you you gotta have that um especially now in in this day and age in this league the fact that he's they put him at running back like i didn't know that yeah um that that bumps him up my my list a, a little bit because obviously it's a copycat league. We're seeing what's happening with Debo. Um, you know, everyone's going to try to find their own version of that and, and utilize their own guy in that way. Yeah, and, and 100... he, could, he could, he could be that 196. So it's going to be tough to stand up at that weight, but uh, uh, he may not be used to the extent that Debo is, but mm-hmm. the occasional one, that, that, yeah. that's the well, points in college for what it's worth. Right. I mean, he was 14, 19, 17 and 21 carries, which for, wide receivers is relatively high in his last two seasons um 148 and 130 yards as a runner so primarily a wide receiver but definitely got some running back utilization and i think let me see if i can find what game that was um but there was definitely 
no, not 2020. Dan, if you got thoughts on Shakir, go ahead. I'm going to see if I can find the game where he was. No, I mean, he fits the profile with a lot of guys that we like from this class. You know, speedy slot receiver that can do a lot more when called upon. But, I mean, draft capital. He just needs to stick on to a team. Sticks on to a team, I'll be, I'll be excited. Gets drafted higher than expected, I'll be excited. I don't, I don't have any real, real qualms to his profile. To I'm guessing not, draft. not drafted right yeah. now, round six, seven. Really? He's supposed to go undrafted? That's incredible. He's in, he's in, he's in I mean, it's, we got to remember a lot of mocks aren't going full seven. So he's not going, he's not going top not four. Going day one, day two. He's not going to go day one, day two, and he'll go somewhere between mid to late day three. And that's expectations. Again, Got to preface, not a lot of mocks are going full seven. Not a lot of guys that we trust are going to go full seven. Or at least when I say trust, I mean by guys with insight with these teams. So he he really could be the diamond in the rough of this class. Him, the guy that I could, you know, I might, you know, else I'll talk to... about if it doesn't get talked about first. Um, you know, another late round guy who could, who could pop, uh, you know, if things kind of work out in his favor. It was seven for forty-three in the Colorado State game, where he had to work as a change of pace back for Shakir. By the way, all right, so he's more like satellite. Got it. Okay, it's not quite Debo. No, smaller, but still, to see him used in that way is something. I like the yeah. versatility. Yeah, it's it's going to help keep him on a team. Hopefully. All right, Dan. Because right, he, he's clearly the best player on their offense. Who is the guy you want to throw out there, Dan? Uh, we're going to go with someone with a very similar profile, slightly undersized, but just as athletic as Bull Melton from Rutgers. Okay. Um, yes. You know, four-year guy. Obviously, you know, you would love to see him. You know, he's he's not the biggest He's definitely not the fastest, but I love his overall profile. And you're looking at a guy who who, who could find himself in the you know I've I've seen early day three on him from prospects. Um, you know, as that you know kind of early day three deep threat that could fill into the maybe Darius Slayton, maybe uh, Gabe Davis type of role where he's a deep threat, a downfield threat. I don't know how he looked on on film, but. He hits. He does. You know, check off a lot of boxes in terms of in terms of his athletic profile. You know, he had an 80th percentile dominator rating at Rutgers, 92nd percentile college target share, late breakout. Right. You know, he was just you know 20 years old, so right in that between that second and third season is where his breakout would would fall into. Um, not getting the respect that some of these other guys will get, but you know, we're talking about size. He's got the slightly less than ideal size at 5'11", buck 89, but he's got the, the ideal athleticism and the big playability and the overall use ability. I mean, ninth percentile yards per reception isn't great, but he played for Rutgers. So, so it's about putting the ball in his hands. And I can't tell you how he looked on film because he missed enough get one metrics for me to not prioritize his film session. Um, I didn't get just time-wise. There's point. a lot of receivers that there's a lot of receivers so I get to get it. to, and I didn't plug in. There's only a handful of guys I watch based on their athletic performance. So he's one of them that, you know, if he gets the draft capital, I think round three or he's, better, then I'll go watch him. 
So he won't be he won't be day two. I'd be shocked if he does, but he he does. Or if he lands in day three, or if he lands in a good spot, I'll go watch him. So yeah, I mean, there's kind of three gates I do to watch film because I don't have the time we did year one, year two to watch hours and hours of film. So for those that haven't heard me say it, um, the first gate that I'll do for film is based on, um, you know, your size. So I've got ten years worth of. NFL productivity data plugged in and categorized basically by, you know, stud, NFL producer, um, you know, just a guy where you just roster depth, et cetera, et cetera, um, and categorize that way. And then I just kind of look for a range of a certain thing somebody should hit, um, you know, to hit what you'd qualify for as an NFL prospect. And that's my gate one. Um, you know, can you check enough of those boxes to, to say, all right, reasonably based on your college productivity for your career, your single season productivity and, or, you know, your measurables. So like your size, your dominator, um, your breakout age, the things you can tell before you ever get to the combine. Should I watch you? If you don't qualify in that, then I start looking at the player profiler metrics, as I call them. So, not your combines numbers, but your size-adjusted speed score, your agility scores, your burst scores, and then yes, uh, forty time. And again, that's all quantified. I mean, the bar for forty is very, very low. But guys like David Bell didn't hit it. It's like for <laughs> wide David receiver, Bell. it's up in the four sixes, and he missed. So it all comes back to David Bell and being disappointed. I don't have anything on. On Melton, Miguel, you got kind of happy. You got happy Melton. about that one. Yeah, I just think uh, you know I was get happy when there's guys that just aren't getting enough recognition. When I think they might just be as equally good as other people that are getting recognition. On I think he's going to be steal. Um, he's going to be one of my favorite round three, round and, four. He's like he's like he's not even being drafted right now. Right, I, I in think Ryan's Bo, box. I think Bo Melton is a, is a, a classic example of a guy that's just completely overlooked. Um, you know, he's 5'11", 189, which in this day and age in the NFL was fine. Uh, you know, he had a 33% dominator rating. He broke out at, oh, let me close this up. What is he? Broke, broke out, out at, at 20. 20, which is fine. And then his combine metrics, I mean, the guy's an athlete. You know, 4'3", 38-inch vert, 4'10", 20-shot, like, yeah. put up 18 on the bench. Like, dude can, like, get after it. So... Uh, there's nothing really like a huge blemish on his on his profile uh, other than you know maybe he's not like the most like elite prospect of all time but he's definitely in the range of being good so the athletic the, profile for me undervalued would, the athletic <laughs> profile for me would check out perfectly um i can tell you that just looking at it and the only other guys that checked 100 percent uh there's only one other guy that I did a workup on so far that checked 100% of those boxes, and it was Khalil Shakir. They, they're very similar in terms of their athletic build, their size. It's just their use is different. He played at fucking Rutgers. Yeah. His yeah. highest, his highest single season is, you know, 638 yards, six touchdowns, which is why he didn't like, go he just doesn't one. get, pr- yeah. He's like a worse off Stefan Diggs and DJ Moore in the sense of the offense is what truly ruined his his production profile. Yeah, and he went to Rutgers because he's from the area. Um, 
is what nice I nice guy. He just wants to be Ron Mom. More. Right, like yeah, he, he just yeah, it was his hometown school, and he wanted to go there. Sorry, he was any piece about their rise now. <laughs> he would have missed the breakout <laughs> age, so it would have been five of six. But that still puts him in company with uh, with guys like Christian Watson and Sky Moore and Alec Pierce and Tyquan Thornton from an athletic profile perspective, which is very very good. So yeah, yeah, it, it's really good. I think he's undervalued. Um, He's someone who's definitely flying under the radar. Obviously, when he starts the season, he'll be twenty three, and if he's a day three pick at twenty three, like it's going to be a while for. It's not. It's not. It's not lovely. Yeah, there's there's that headwind. So like, let's let's acknowledge that. Like the yeah. Um, but you know that's what you get for being a day three pick. So, uh, but if you're drafting in the fourth, fifth round, and you need someone, like I would rather have him, um, over just about anyone else that you can mention. Um. That that'll be available at that at that point. So yeah, give, give me all the Bo Melton. So day three pick that could go in the third round perfectly sums up uh, my guy, who has a best comparable of Adam Thielen, which is not a bad thing. Um, I actually like him more than I kind of grouped them together, and I can't remember why that was. I think they were the only two guys that had perfect something. No. Perfect something. They perfect had, something. It was gate so perfect like name of a band. statistical measures. Gate one. Um I'm looking at the wrong damn thing. That had near perfect gate one numbers and you know, it was right there with what the hell am I looking at? I'm looking at the wrong thing. Sorry. Yeah. Perfect <laughs> gate one numbers is what the reason they got grouped together. I'm like down on the wrong player. Sorry. So let me start that over. Um, you know, I grouped Jahan Dotson with this guy because they're the only two that checked every gate one box I look at, you know, size, um, you know, productivity for your career, uh, for a single season, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, they were also very similar as far as their athletic metrics, but that's Jalen Tolbert, Jalen Tolbert, um, who I like. Just as much as Jahan Dotson, but he's going a lot later. He's going rookie ADP is in the third round. So he has 23. This is a guy you hope gets high, you know. Round three DC is is just projected right now. It's supposed to be a late day two pick. And I would be all over that. And that's going to put him right where I want him. But, you know, when I watched this film, uh, first things first, I saw something I've never really seen a receiver do, and he rolled off of defenders. Like, it was almost like watching an NBA player get off of an off-ball screen. Just rolling around defenders to get open. Like, he literally shouldered into them and spun move off of them to get open. Never seen that. It was very unique from a route-running perspective. He's got easy agility and smooth speed, uh, consistent uh, contested ball ability, solid route-running, showed he knew how to separate, Um did have occasional drops, uh, but I thought that was offset enough by his ability to like catch a ball one-handed while running deep and having his other arm held, for example, um, or completely lay out for these things. So he's got all the makings of, I think, an NFL wide receiver one. Um, and had he produced at a larger school than what he did, I think he absolutely would have been considered in that category. Um, you know, I don't know what the story is there to why he, he wasn't, but we've seen small school guys and I bring up guys like Corey Davis that have found success in the NFL, 
Um, Cortland Sutton was another one where it does knock them down a little bit. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised to see if he does have for him to have a better career than a guy like Dotson or Mechie or uh, George Pickens, even all guys that are going ahead of Jalen Tolbert. So, you know, I, I very much like what I saw out of him and he's a guy that I'm going to be eyeballing, especially if his draft capital in rookie draft stays about there. Yeah. I'm pretty much locked up with you there. Uh, he's, he's really closely ranked with, uh, Jahan Dotson right now, uh, but all of those kind of tiers are basically the same at this point. Um, I comped him to Marvin Jones. Uh, I thought that's who he kind of re- reminded me the most, especially as we were going through the, through the model to find him a comp. Uh, also, Derek uh, Derek Brown hmm. on Twitter recently comped him to Marvin Jones as well. I think that was this morning. Um, so not not the only one there in good company with with that uh, with that comp. Uh, I, I'm excited about him. I, I I would agree as well. If I could, you know, trade down and get Jalen Tolbert, I'd probably be just as happy as having Jahan Dotson, um, and more happy than having George Pickens. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, he's he's definitely easy on the so. George Pickens hate guys. Jesus he, Christ, it's not, it's not hate. <laughs> I'm, uh, I I know I know. I'm just like, uh, you know, Sky Sky Moore's got the. He's also the other kind of small school guy on this list, uh, but at least he's got more hype. There's more, yeah, happening there. Um, so I think from the and, and I like you like to prop up the small school guys that don't get a lot of attention, and I think that maybe this year Jalen Tolbert is that uh, ideal candidate of the small guy, small school guy that uh, could really surprise people. He does yeah. what he's supposed to do. He dominates. You know, fifty-one point two percent dominant rating, ninety-six percentile. On a 95th percentile college target share. And he still had a 68th percentile yards per catch. So he's still being utilized downfield. If he's going to get day three, if he's going to get, you know, late day two, I mean, everything checks off the box. We just hope that he gets a landing spot that's going to yield early, you know, you know, early starting time. I mean, round three, there's still a decent enough projection that he should start at some point in this first year, which is what these 23-year-old guys, what you want to see. You don't want to wait too long on these guys to hit. So if they can get a starting job right away, you know, Tolbert, I think, has the the overall profile, which why a lot of people right. like him. I mean, one, one, I don't uh, think people are going to be that high on him even after the draft. One, one metric where he, he pops, and this isn't part of the model I was playing around with it, is why I bring it up, because I was thinking of including it this year. But... Um, Decided against it, um, but it's the yards per team pass attempt. You know, anything over three is elite, and he's a three dot six three. So that is, That's it might cool. be one of the highest in the class. I think Sky Moore might be the highest at three dot seven seven. So uh, both of the small school guys just absolutely crushed it there, which shows that you know they were. were They're highly, supposed to do that, right? right small right. school, like that, you that, should That's dominate. what you want to see, right? Like, yeah, yeah absolutely. Like a two. Right, which is like an average, um, you know, the uh, pause. I would definitely pause. Um, but this is just further confirming that, like, hey, this guy can probably ball. Yeah. And small school guy getting in late day two is the, the perfect DC. You know, these guys have a hard enough time getting round one. You're being able to get round two, round three. It's, it's, it, it's a home run. So, yeah. We're a lot of lock and step on Jalen Tolbert. I do have a hard time following how player profiler does their comps because it's not just athleticism, but you know, the, 
I tend to like them. Uh, and for Tolbert, you end up with Adam Thielen traced back to Eric Decker, traced back to Keenan Allen. So that's a, a good list. It's top, it's top it's five a, right now is yeah, Adam Thielen, Sidney Rice, Antonio Holmes, Josh Reynolds, and Greg Jennings. That's pretty good. So, you know, four of those five have been He's very, really very good productive. company. We, we, we haven't yeah. had a, a small school guy really come out and dominate since Adam Thielen, I don't think. So, Ash and Doolin, potentially. Potentially, right. <laughs> Dustin Watson. Dustin uh, Watson. Oh, hey. I mean, that where is he good. now? Like, like Kansas isn't he City, in Kansas City. Oh, yeah, so he's in Kansas City now. That's right. They have all the. They don't have Tyree. Therese Fountain. They have all the, you know, all the fun small school guys. Yeah, they have all the small school guys I've touted over the years. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, you know, they got Tolbert. Glad you brought him up. I've only got one more guy. Okay, yep, go ahead. Three or one more I got nobody there. left, so you're good. Okay, you, you take one more. I'll take one more because I can find one more to talk about. Alec Pierce, had a boy. Yeah, that'd be, uh, yeah. I mean, this guy was just talk about under the radar for like a majority of this off season. Then he went to the combine and just crushed it. Uh, let's see if I can pull up what he what he accomplished here really quick. So he went to the combine, ran a four three three, jumped forty and a half inches. Had a broad jump of 129, uh, 20 yard shuttle, 428, and then not so great three cone of 7.13. Yep. Um, but overall, his adjusted speed score is 123. I mean, the guy is just bananas, but he's like 6'3, 211. Um, I've seen, I think it was uh, Chris Sims comped a little bit to like, uh, I don't know, this is my ruffle feathers, but like DK Metcalf. So, you know, I'm not worried about the three cone drills, basically what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so right. let's just put that to bed. And he's got a really athletic, uh, family. Like his dad played college football, uh, may have played in the NFL. I forget. I saw an interview where Alec Pierce was talking about that. I forgot if his dad played in the NFL or not, but he definitely played college ball. Uh, and that's where his dad met his mom, who was a, a volleyball player, uh, and the more athletic one in the family. And then he also played, uh, volleyball throughout high school, um, which explains his insane hops and why he can j- jump and get the ball and just, you know, do all that. So, yeah, uh, the, the, the guy's pretty phenomenal and I don't think he's gotten the credit that he deserves. You know, I, I think he, he uh, in the pre-draft model, he's, he's right at the top tier with Khalil Shakir and Sky Moore. Um, and most people are dismissing him because he didn't have the elite, you know, 1500 yard season, you know, 10 touchdowns, whatever in college. Uh, but Desmond Ritter was his quarterback. Uh, I don't know about you guys. I don't think Desmond Ritter is anything. Um, uh, I think he, you know, is, is pretty robotic, kind of looks like the part, but really doesn't have it. Um, like mechanically looks really good, but otherwise is not, not a quarterback. Um, so I, I think he was likely more, he, he probably propped up Ritter more than Ritter propped up Pierce, um, but was also likely held back by Ritter at the same time. Well, and that and the fact that it's a team that ran enough to make Garrett Dokes look like a viable running back. I, so. I mean, against Alabama, Pierce had the cornerbacks scared. He, and they still weren't throwing him the ball because Cincinnati, Cincinnati, they didn't have the offensive line that can get him the ball. But he was blowing past guys. And he, his his release is, is crazy. He, he, gets, gets, he can stack you quick. He gets two and three steps on guys easily, is what easily. I noticed. And, uh, you know, it doesn't look like if you didn't have the combine numbers in front of you, he doesn't look like he plays that fast, but he's constantly behind guys too. So it's like just this easy 
release and stride that that gets it done but to the athletic perspective i mean 90th percentile 40 95th percentile speed 94th percentile burst 96th percentile catch radius the other reason that people aren't high on him is dominator was only 25.2 but cincinnati cincinnati they really didn't they really didn't utilize him um Oh, we must be doing Dominator differently. I've got him at 34. Yeah. I, I, I do the adjusted now. I don't think they're doing I don't, adjusted. I don't, I don't know if their profile does that, but adjusted, but he's 34. I will say this also. Um, he was the best guy I saw on tape this year in finding soft spots in zone. Like, the dude absolutely, he can go deep. He destroyed zone in the short and intermediate game, though, too. Um, and just knowing when to to sit down and find those soft spots and be available to his quarterback. He was he was very very good at that, um, you know. Uh, just the quick twitch and acceleration didn't really show. The burst scores there, the release is there. Um, so I think my acceleration comments probably off. The quick twitch, okay, yeah, probably. Um, he's an outside threat with size that can work over the middle. Uh, if there's a Cooper Cup like receiver in this draft. I would say it might be Pierce minus the college productivity. Just I, uh, interesting. Yeah, I comped him to DJ Chark. DJ Chark's another good comp for him. Um, the ability to destroy zone coverage, I think, is the reason that I was kind of cup side, not so much the deep ball ability. So I, I'm, I, uh, I, I, I hear he grew up a Green Bay Packers fan, and I. I and that the uh, was it? Was it could there, use them. Matt Lafleur is close friends with the Cincinnati wide receiver coach. So just putting that out there into the ether. <laughs> you know what I find awesome, by the way, Miguel. Your tier one is Alec Pierce, Khalil Shakir, and Sky Moore, and I have all of those guys tiered up. Not quite as high, which is probably just a difference in, you know model and incorporating film uh but i also have all of those guys just grouped together is very very similar from productivity from an athletic perspective and from the way that i rated them on on film so just an interesting little tidbit that you know even though we've got them in kind of different spots amongst our tiers that tier is literally the same yeah that is interesting so um all right, the other guy that I'm going to talk about is Mechie because I think that he deserves airtime. And then I also think he's the only one we didn't talk about that, that, yeah, the only other two guys I watch I don't really want to talk about. They're Justin Ross and Taekwon Thornton. So we'll go ahead and hit Mechie because I actually have good things to say about him. So um, I, I thought it was interesting earlier when, you know, I guess it was the hype train reason on, on Jerry, Judy, Calvin Ridley, but I thought Mechie had some Calvin Ridley to his game. Um, he was an intelligent route runner, lulled defenders to sleep. He had a lot of nuances that he used there that I thought helped him out and helped him with getting open, which were very developed and kind of advanced. And again, that's just something that even since year one with Cooper Cup, I've been relatively adept at picking out how guys are winning. And, you know, Mechie's doing it intelligently. Um, is a runner. Um, thought the lateral movement was good he set up blocks well accelerated well 
Uh, top end speed wasn't fantastic, but he did have the ability for big plays, which just seems to be everybody at Alabama has big play ability for whatever reason. Uh, it doesn't matter if it translates to the NFL or not. For some reason at Alabama, they can all just do that. Offense is so spread out. Like yeah. it, it, they're all one on one with, with great accurate quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. It just wins. Um, you know, solid hands. So I, I just overall thought Metri was a very, very solid prospect that absolutely had wide receiver two upside at the NFL level. So I didn't want to get through here that giving him airtime. Um, he did have this weird thing about high stepping um, when he was about to get tackled mid route. I saw that like three times, which I thought was a real weird flex because you're high stepping and you're about to get tackled. And I don't know if it's just something he does to like slow his momentum, maybe to try to change direction or what that was all about. But it didn't seem like a showboating thing necessarily. It seemed like he actually incorporated a high step for some reason. And I don't know why. Just that's not one of those things I take into the evaluation at all. It was just a really weird observation. Um, you know, not a lot of contested ball opportunities. And again, just because Alabama's spread out and always open, Tony ACL is going to work against him. Uh, he's a little smaller size wise, six oh six foot one ninety five. Uh, but he can do some things with the ball in his hands near the line of scrimmage, and you know the route running ability uh, with the solid hands the ability to break plays. I do think that he's another guy that, you know, you can put, you not necessarily doesn't have to play inside, but to almost a wide receiver too. like, doesn't want need to be an alpha, but you know, potentially a Calvin Ridley role when Julio Jones was around, for example, and have him be successful at that. It's like the most stocky. I think Bama receiver we've had in like three years at five eleven. Our player profile has got him at five eleven, buck eighty nine. Yeah, well, he's still too. slightly small, but he's he's not Jamison Williams where he's under a buck eighty or Devonta Smith who's barely a buck seventy. Um, I like the fact that he was still able to draw a bunch of targets. You know, twenty six point nine percent a college target share in a loaded receiving room is fantastic. It's it, it's. I'm just not overly impressed with the Bama receivers. I think they're going to, I think they're just, I mean, again, they're good prospects. I just, they're overhyped because they played for Bama. And I think Mechie at least isn't going to go round one. Most mocks have him at round three. Um, that might be because of the injury. I, I think he'll end up being the better value. And I, and I, I still like his skill set to fit in today's NFL. It's just, what do, I can, what, like, what do we think he would have run as a four, on a forty? Well, his high school metric is four six flat, so probably high four four to low four five. I think his game film projects to to mid to high four fours. That would be that generally is so the he, realm of outcome. He's so he really is poor man's uh, Henry Ruggs because you know he's they're both five eleven one call it one eighty eight. Uh, Neither of them broke out. The only thing that Ruggs had is a feather in his cap. He could run four two seven. Totally different skill. He was sets. also more productive, and he has a yeah. different skill set. Jamie Williamson's more Henry Ruggs. I get that, yeah. but yeah. like neither of them did it. And the the one thing that Henry Ruggs you could count on him for is being having that elite trait. When we're sitting here saying Mechie doesn't have that elite trait, the best thing about it is that Mechie is instead of being a round one pick like Ruggs was a turn pick. Mechie's a turn two, three pick. Right. So mm-hmm. the cost of getting them is, is significantly less. 
And that's why when when you compare some, you know, when you compare him to Jamison Williams in terms of what his cost is going to be in this year's class, Mechie, I don't think is going to be far off worse than his product. It's just, again, landing spot and and what the uses are going to be. They're both going to be early declares, which is they're both coming in youngish. Mechie will be 22 when the season starts. Yeah, right now I've got Mechie and basically dead last in this class. <laughs> But you know, so PSI hates him. Fucking him off of him. Then you know that that's where Jalen Waddle was last year. But there was no model that it would ever make Jalen. I mean, Waddle is tough. Yeah, right. Yeah, he was. He was a. He was a film guy, not a. Unless you're projecting his four. Yeah, like projecting his four game sample. There was like no metric that would make Jalen Waddle look good. Um, So you know that there's that if if you want to take that to the bank. But um, yeah, I'm not going to bet on Mechie. Perfect landing spot for Waddle. Pre-draft, I got Mechie tier three, which puts him at like the wide receiver ten to twelve range. So, I mean, I'm not. It's not to say I'm super high on Mechie because I'm not, but I definitely think he's good enough and a good enough prospect to to deserve the discussion. Which I will not say the same things for Justin Ross or Tyquan Thornton. Although Thornton probably will get draft capital because of his forty time. Some, Ross is some team might do it. Ross is early day three, I, I think. Tyquan Thornton, I mean, this whole like process through PSI this year is like surprising. If you were asking me who would have been the top receivers in this class and what this would look like, I would have had a completely different list. Um but yeah, Tyquan Thornton just popped like on everything. And um, I was like, who is this guy? Right. Tyquan uh, Unfortunately Tyquan. he's got tiny hands, which I'm not thrilled with, but Tyquan Thornton's a guy that was literally the guy I watched at 1 a.m. last night because I looked at his athletic profile and I said, holy shit, I should probably have an opinion on this guy. And then I watched his tape and I was real disappointed I didn't take the extra 20 minutes of sleep. <laughs> his best comparable is Robbie Anderson. If that... <laughs> oh, I comped him to, um, I think, Paul Richardson. I think that's who I... That's got to be one of... It's, I mean, it's very similar play style. I mean, athletic build too. I'll rely on you two for this last question. Anybody we care about at tight end that's worth discussing pre-draft until we see landing spots in capital? It's the only one that's worth. Uh, there's only Bride. Two. It's the only one that's going day two. I, I think Bride's overrated. Um, like I don't think he's better than Dolchich or uh, Jelani Woods. I think Jelani Woods might have the he's biggest. He, he's the other one too. I think Jalen Woods might have the biggest upside, um, but he's definitely very raw. Mm-hmm. Um, like he's only made the the switch recently to tight end, um, but if he can maximize that, like watch out. He's the um, one that you should you, you should care about in round four or five of your rookie drafts. Uh, and, and that so people take more... McBride round two, and just take Woods at the back end of round three, four, five. Woods is huge. Yeah, yeah it's uh, James. I think his name is James Mitchell. James Mitchell. Um, from uh, Virginia Tech. Let's say Virginia Tech. Yeah. Um, it is. He's gone under the radar because I think, I don't know if he tore his ACL or something. He's injured. And that's why he hasn't been, you know, on the circuit and no one's heard anything from him. So he's got no athletic measurables. So who knows? He's a black box there. Oh, my. Uh, I will say that. Lord um, Jelani Woods. Yeah. But. Yeah, he's. Uh, he he hits the hyper athletic. He's what we love to see from a from an athletic build. He ran up so, four six, an eleven two eight 
agility score. That's insane. Nin- he's got good yeah. numbers too. Yeah, dude, dude's nuts. Um, wow. Yeah. So James Mitchell though hits on a lot of the things that I look for in a in a uh, tight end. Um, you know the 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 yards per reception is. Oh, we didn't do an agility score, but he benched. He got eighteen. That's fine. His BMI, his draft age, like uh, it, it's it's all there. I like him a lot, and I think no one knows who he <laughs> is because he's been a ghost. Um, I think had he had he measured, it would have been really nice to see kind of where he'd come in. But I'm I'm a Doltich Mitchell Woods over McBride. Um, I I just think McBride's overrated. I mean, I yeah, it's basically he's the only tight end that. Is like, getting any significant buzz right. in terms and, of day and, two, and, and the only reason McBride rose is because he had the Senior Bowl where like people went and like, oh, he balled out, he was catching everything. It's like, uh, sure. <laughs> I mean, I'd be yeah. more, I'd be more impressed if he had a better athletic profile, but he hits, he hits the dominator and and uh, eleven hundred like yards the production on receptions is not something you see at a college that often. Best comparable yeah. comes up is. Because he's Miller, which gives me a lot of Pat Fryermuth vibes, not just because they're both Steelers tight ends. I mean, that's so you're talking, yeah, middle of the road because the athletic metrics are not. They're good enough. If you gave me Trey you know, McBride. They're good enough. But if you gave me good Trey McBride, we're just gonna build a tight end. I'll take Trey McBride's productivity and Jelani Woods's athletic profile and body, and we'll call it good. So basically, Woods with production. <laughs> Jelani Woods with production. Give me Woods with production, and I'm fine. Yeah, and that's about as much tight end talk as we need because this class, the guy from uh, the guy from was it from Texas Tech or not or from Texas A&M, Jalen Watermeyer, also massive Debbie prospect that just completely tanked. I mean, he had he was basically the Kyron Williams of tight end. Like his his metrics are just fucking horrible. The the cut yeah I mean here's where where, where Debbie goes wrong that should be like a that should be a podcast where Debbie goes wrong and it's, <laughs> and, and this year it's J- Jalen Woodbyer David five oh seven you're in a five oh seven forty and Kyron Williams or or maybe you want to throw in uh who's the uh the running back that everyone was comping to CMC a couple years ago and now oh Max Borgie yeah and now now no one even realizes he's in the draft <laughs> he's actually like he's actually not the worst like he's actually put on weight. And because yeah. they got rid of Mike Leach, you know, I like Mike so, Leach, and he had to actually become a running back. So, like he's like he's like a round four, round five guy. That's got at least. I, I remember I'm, when I, Borgie was talking yeah, about us yeah. being like that, and then here's where just Debbie gets it's like, stupid. Wrong. It was so dumb. Um, I mean, like I mean, I people that, that actually that was wrong. I'm like, yeah. no, no, and then here we are, like complete afterthought in the draft. Yeah. Um, but yeah, those 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 three guys are probably it this year. Um, Isaiah likely in on him? No, I'm not. Nah, I say it's likely. Um, Charlie Kolar didn't test bad either, and he checked boxes. So I'm just looking at statistical profiles and pulling up the athletic ones. Charlie Charlie Kohler actually looks uh, like he speed score was fine. Likely it's probably fine. He's actually too... Kohler failed the bench, and that's important for tight ends. He completely failed that. Um, otherwise, yeah, his agility was fine. Yeah, he was. Kohler... I'm. Yeah, I'm not in on. Uh, I'm not. I don't really care about the tight ends. After, after the, the 
the top four, I could give a flying hoot about the rest. Uh, likely would not. And the burst is fine, but just looking across the board is at his athletic metrics. I mean, check the box from productivity, but the athletic metrics would probably have me mostly out on him. Yeah, yeah it's like a Kyle Rudolph he, in terms. He's not fast, but he's probably going to box out right offense. Too. He's productive. Yeah. I'm surprised he didn't run at the combine considering how fast that track was because he went to his pro his day. His pro day is horrible. It was 488. Bad. That's yeah. that's not like Jalen Watermeyer bad, but it's it's bad. It's bad. But Briscoe is great, which is, um, you know, it's just it, it, it's important for the tight end position. Yeah. So. Charlie Cole. Yeah. Charlie Cole. I don't think anyone goes before round three, though. I think McBride's just, been. I've. I've. I, I think I, Wilson and McBride go around. McBride. I've said I, I, it was a Todd McShay, Mel Kiper uh, dual mock draft, and they had the Vikings taking McBride in the uh, second round, and I about fucking threw my phone. Uh, outside of like being a truly elite tight end like Kyle Pitts, which then at that point the draft capital is given. Um, Draft capital really doesn't matter for tight ends. Well, it it constantly it, fails it, us. No, you know, uh, it, neither does it's, neither does it's breakout not a age. It's basically no, no breakout age is just yeah. No, it's basically do you I, have I, one? My my biggest uh, I don't even factor in breakout age uh, when I'm looking at. Well, them. no, because it's I, I do you I have one? Be, that's that's the, it. <laughs> the, yeah, I think what I found to be the most interesting is that age in general doesn't matter. For no, it doesn't matter for shit. I noticed that too. It doesn't because matter at all. It's because the learning curve is so fucking steep that they almost relearn the position when they come over. Like I know we gave Hayden Hurst a lot of shit for being old and being first round pick, and yes, the Ravens were wrong for doing that, but obviously they made up for it later in that same draft. Uh, and Hurst has still been kind of productive, even yeah, he's, then. He's still, he's still been kind of productive. He should have been like a maybe third or fourth should, round pick. Him and Andrews, uh, I'm not saying should have switched. Yeah, Both of them should have been third round. They should have flipped up, but um, yeah, yeah. Uh, the drop off for draft capital at tight end, I've got it is like fifth round. So it just doesn't matter. So if you've got if you're in leagues where people care about age and they see that, like capitalize on it because it does not matter. No, it does absolutely does not matter. Because yeah. yeah, a lot of these guys aren't hitting until two three years in anyway. So who cares? All right, that's the show. Thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, be sure to go back and check out the uh, the newly uploaded um, with real audio uh, episode with uh, Brad Starks from Roto Lounge last week where we talked uh, running backs and quarterbacks. That was a drunk fest. Um, a lot better analysis on this show, I can tell you that. But ton of entertainment on the last one. Um, so make sure you check that out. Uh, if for whatever reason I'm lazy and don't fix the audio tonight, check it out on YouTube, Beerfield Podcast, um, where you'll also be able to find this. Uh, little editor's note, we will not be doing a live stream for the draft for the first time ever. We will not have a show next week. Dan and I are just going to hang out and drink and, and watch it, and then there's a slight possibility we may record like a quick reaction episode. We might just hang out with some people on a Zoom call. We haven't really decided yet. We're going to watch it together. But everybody and their mother started doing live streams over the last couple of years, and it was more work than it was worth. Juice wasn't worth the squeeze. So we're just going to hang out and take a couple of days off and watch the draft and throw some discs around and drink some stuff. And so nothing coming next week because we just covered a lot of it. We will uh, be back the week after 
with draft recap episodes and a to be determined guest. We're working on a roundtable for that, I think. So, yep. it is next Thursday. Dang! That, yeah. yeah, it's coming up <laughs> quick. <laughs> I didn't realize that. So, thank you guys for tuning in. Um, one more time, Miguel. Where can people find your uh, your information? Where can they find you? Uh, they can find my information at profootballpsi.com or FFBaseOff. And you can find me on Twitter at ProFootballPSI. And we've asked the last two years for the overview of PSI. We knew this would be a long show, so we didn't this time. So if you want to read on what all goes actually into PSI, um, there's a f- fantastic write-up on that on Miguel's blog, as well as on FFBaseOff.com that goes into all the details of how that gets gets put together. You can also see his... Uh, his pre-draft article um, and go back through the last several years on profootballpsi.com and be sure to tune in there for his post-draft article as well. I am at Beerfield Hop with two Ps. Uh, my co-host, my esteemed co-host is at Beerfield Thurry. I'm on his good side again. Oh yeah. Weird how much changes in two it's hours. It's weird when booze is involved. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you guys in, in two weeks. So until then, enjoy the time without us. I know I will. Yay. See you guys. Thanks, guys. Yay.